Activision now has all of its studios working on Call of Duty. Activision now has all of its studios working on Call of Duty. Activision now has all of their studios working. Hello and welcome to Triangle Square, the PlayStation podcast. I'm your host, Brett Beck, and alongside me, as you may have noticed, is a new person who appears to be abandoned um so i'm joined as usual by by saw bridges saw bridges and then way deep down in the forest depths punished chris Mm -hmm. there's a (laughs) yeah chris is going through his pun or he's going through the trials that we actually have to all go through to be part of the triangle squared cast full time uh saul and i you saw this off camera because it was before the podcast started we had to go through these same trials now chris is going through them yeah it was awesome. I set up my uh, illegal military in the middle of the o- ocean. It was sick. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, at that, that, that's at that point, base. yeah, at that point, if it's in the middle of the ocean, it's maritime law, man. Yeah, I feel like clandestine would have been the best, better <laughs> word there. I guess so. How many bells <laughs> until the next, uh, till the next show? Uh, okay, like cool. sixty-seven. Good. Thanks, man. <laughs> I'll see you. I'll see you in eight yeah, of weeks. Course. I don't actually know. What, I don't know the measurement of bells either. <laughs> I don't. I don't even know what that meant. I just made up a yeah, random. Yeah, bells word. is a passing of time. <laughs> it's like uh, on on like a boat. Oh, I just gotcha. don't actually know what it is. I don't know what it breaks down to. <laughs> but uh, we are joined by Chris, as I said. Uh, so this is the long-awaited all three of us on a single episode. And I'm happy to say, first and foremost, glad you're here, Chris. Yes. Glad we could finally make this happen. Hey, glad to be here. Uh, and yeah, it's also, gonna be fun. Um, that we are fairly positive that we have worked out exactly how to make the show happen with Chris as a full-time, or at least majority full-time third person. Um, one thing I will say is that the nice part of having a three people is that there it will allow us a little more flexibility and a couple of us being able to, or each of us being able to kind of take a break without the show having to find someone else to fill in because there's always going to be three of us for the most part. So we'll get to talking to you guys more about that as we start to do more. We're going to kind of use this episode as a <clears throat> excuse me transition episode to kind of put some of the thoughts that we had behind the scenes in motion. So let us know how you liked the episode and uh, welcome Chris on as more or less your, your, your third full-time, not even more or less your third full-time member. We're making that happen. So with that being said, we got to get into the normal start of the show here. This is for sauce. I don't want to take this away from you. What, what, what episode are we on? 225 lucky number 225 there you go see some things have got to stay the same in this transition <laughs> uh, but time to get to the uh the way we always start the show which will not change and that is what has everyone been up to now that there's three of us i have to actually angle this at somebody so i'm going to start with our newcomer <laughs> here or not newcomer but our new addition full-time addition because chris has clearly been on the show for oh. the last two months with He's not new. <laughs> so, Chris, not what anymore. have you been playing this week, man? And um, what are you excited to play? I'm going to add a new little, little thing Ooh. in there. What are you excited to play that you haven't yet? 
nice little seasoning. Um, no, I've been playing a lot of Hades, which was not my plan for the week, but that game is very good. Um, and then I platinumed Until Dawn, and I've played some Ghost of Tsushima Director's Cut. So On it's been a good Until week. Dawn, I, I heard you say that yes. you went back and basically due to the way the collectibles were, maybe, that you had to play it more than you anticipated? Well, yeah, it was mostly my fault. I didn't plan it out. So I went in knowing I needed to get everyone to die. So I did the last four chapters. You have to start from six and then go to ten. So I did all of that and then realized the vast majority of the collectibles I needed were in chapters six <laughs> through ten. But I had gotten yeah. none of them. So I had to do them all over again. That is unfortunate. But, you know, I guess... Yeah, it was kind of what just ends up happening with that. I've thought often about going back to that game and playing it, but I, it's one of those things where I'm mm-hmm. slightly... I loved the game the first time, and I had the same fear with Detroit and Heavy Rain, and I, I did it with Detroit, and it didn't really ruin the game. But I always have that fear of, like, replaying those games will kind of break the magic of them and make me be like, ah, that's not actually as cool. I mean, do you feel yeah. like that happened to you? Uh, no, because I... I had played Until Dawn when it came out, and then I played it again and played the whole thing through and saw the story out and still enjoyed it. And then this time I still enjoyed it because I was just going around and letting people die and watching all the, the dumb stuff that can happen to them. So it was yeah. still fun for me. How do you feel that the, but, uh, the yeah. don't move mechanic of the keeping the controller still has aged? You hate it? It sucks. <laughs> I hate it. I lost so many runs doing because I of that. I love it. But so many. I can understand, like, one of the things, I'm surprised that game didn't get hit up more for accessibility issues because of that. Because I don't think you can turn it off, <laughs> yeah. right? No. But you can just put the controller down. So, like, at a certain point, like, what's the issue? Just put the controller on the couch like <laughs> I did. And just do it that way. Because I failed the one at the end. Yeah, when, um, because there's a specific set of collectibles where in Chapter 5 you need to not get caught by the killer. And I kept getting caught because of that. So eventually I just like put the controller down and I would just hit the buttons like on my couch and then let it oh, okay. let it save. And it worked. All right. So. Cool, man. Um, yeah, I know that Hades ended up switching up on you. I was going to try and play it uh, last night, got it to download, uh, and then um, I hit my boys hit me up for some – or really I joined Discord and then ended up switching over to Sea of Thieves. Uh, so that's kind of what happened. <laughs> Saul. What have you been up to? What have you been playing? So obviously you just said Sea of Thieves. So we'll just get that out of the way. That's kind of become a weekly default now. So I don't really, I won't really mention that on most episodes. Um, I did restart. I say restart. I did play again Mortal Shell. um, And wait, have you beaten Mortal Shell before? Okay. The way you said it is why I, I thought. The way I'm playing it again. Well, yeah, you said instead of saying restarted you said you're playing again so i guess you didn't make a new character because there's not really much of a need no to. i did i did make a new character okay gotcha. yeah i'm just um, but i'm playing it again like this is my technically this is my third uh attempt at playing it and i am i don't really know if this is like the intended first area to be in but i got to the temple grounds shrine of ash area shrine of ash is the first boss is that why? Is that how the game is wants you to progress? The, yeah, the, yeah, you can play the game in any order you want, but by difficulty, it is the Shrine of Ash, then the one that I can't remember the name of, but it's in the cemetery. You go through the cemetery to get to it, uh, and then the fine one, it, the final one is 
it's got a weird name, so I always have a hard time remembering it. But it's if it's Seed of Infinity, I accidentally Seed of Infinity. Yeah, I definitely exactly I accidentally went there, um, and I could tell. Now the upside uh-huh. is that actually the very beginning of each one of those areas, there's a new weapon. So if you want to just yeah. go there and then fight Harkin, you can fight Harkin in Hark- all three areas. It's not Harkin. It's what? Haldurn. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Harkin's from. Yeah. Uh, uh, how am I forgetting? Lords of the Fallen. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. It's, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, like I, because um, yeah. I initially went to Seed of Infinity first. And I'm like, no, this is impossible. Um, then I went to. It's very um, hard. What is. It was the area with the um, the big sword. It was like a crypt. It was like I was like where Ganessa is, like where like you can sip the tar or whatever. Yeah. Um, you could actually in that same area, you can go back outside or you can just kind of like hit like a U-turn in a way and you'll go, you'll start going down and there are these enemies that like their final move is to cut their head off and throw it at you. Oh yeah. So, and that, that area was kind of difficult. So I went, I, I went back to the other area you could go to, which is this area. This area is still, it's interesting. The game is, is good. I like it a lot, but I um I have noticed that that at least in this area, um it's funny you brought up Lords of the Fallen. This area looks like a, a place from the Lords of the Fallen. Hmm. Everything about this game so far has been very original to me, except this area. And I'm like, this area is very bland for everything else this game's offered. So you're talking specifically? Uh, sp- uh, sorry, specifically the uh, Shrine of Ash. Yeah. Okay, that's fair it's, enough. It's, it's very like chains on the wall, like like fiery doom area, like a lot of like sure like blacksmithing kind of thing it's and it's but everything else that i've seen so far is like this is fairly original and like enemy designs are pretty good too one of the interesting things about that game um when you go to do the no shell run i basically would advise anyone start at the seat of infinity as dumb as that sounds because you might as well get the hardest boss fight out of the way. And, and not only that, but it'll prep you for the rest of the run. Exactly. Well, it's, it, whenever <laughs> I did that, because Chris and I were going back and forth on that, right? And I literally, it was the first place I had to go because I was like, I know it's going to be the thing that's the hardest to do. So I'm going to start there because as soon as I get that done, the rest of the game is going to be stupid easy. And basically it was. I died against that guy probably 30 times before finally getting him. Carthanux, uh, the twice born or whatever his name is. Anyway, he's the final boss there. Uh, and then I went, I did it basically reverse order. I did him first, and then I did the boss that's in the cemetery area um, where there's like a frozen, um, what are they called? The dudes that are outside of the thing, the mini bosses. Starts with a G, I'm pretty sure. Starts with a G. It's, uh, a, it's an Elden. It's an uh, not Elden Ring. Mortal Shell. Yeah, maybe I'm wrong on what it starts with, but the big hairy dudes who just oh, talking about Griska. Yeah, Grisha or Grisha. Yeah, yeah. There's a frozen Grisha that you have to fight oh, as okay. part of like a in between. You have to fight it, and it's like a mini boss fight. And then you go to the end, and you fight this dude who's got like a bunch of trapped souls under ice. See, I was thinking of the uh, things that protect the shells. The like they have a weird name. The, like the poisonous oh yeah like the, the vampire basically yeah. is what they are yeah but um so i played through i played i'm playing through that and i started that up kind of friday um well no i'll say that what what, what do we have the call on thursday night yeah that's right right or no was it wednesday night because we played Yu-Gi-Oh thursday you're right it was wednesday so well, we started i started that up on wednesday but i didn't play it any at all uh passed until friday and then yesterday um, but then uh, on Switch and on PlayStation Five, I've been playing through Dark Souls Remastered, doing a bow only run, and I've, I'm done with that now. 
So that's and that's kind of what I played throughout the week before the weekend. Hmm. What gotcha. have you been up to? Um, you ready for it? Uh, old school RuneScape. Old school RuneScape. Yep. <laughs> so the funny story here is that no Saul's here. Saul's brother Seth has been trying to get a PS5 like crazy, and he's been messaging me every time that he ends up failing on getting one, and. I sent him a picture of mine the other day, just kind of messing with him after he was like, oh, I still didn't get one. And then I just thought about it. And I said, here he is trying so hard to get a PS5, and I've not even played mine in two weeks. Yeah. And I, I guess that's where we are. People who want them can't get them. And here <laughs> I am just not even playing mine. <laughs> Technically, I have, like, Mortal Shell's PS5 upgraded. True. But um, I uh, that and Dark Souls, you know, those aren't really PS5 games. Those are available anywhere else. That's true. Except Switch. Or yeah. shell on uh, Switch would be cool. Wouldn't be possible, but it'd be cool. Mm, yeah, I about to say, because as much as I loved Mortal Shell, it looked a little rough on PS4. It looks a lot better on PS5. Actually, I wonder if it could run with the indie filter it has. Have you ever turned that on? Yeah. Yeah, I wonder if that could play on Switch. Probably not, but... Mm, oh, that's a filter. So that doesn't mean the graphics exactly. are actually yeah, running like, that's, down. That's, yeah, that's why I said probably not. <laughs> so, Chris, last thing, because I didn't think about it. I know that you yes. played Ghost before and then and then dropped out. So now that you're coming back around to the director's cut, uh, I mean, how far would you say you might be? A few hours? Um, yeah, I've done like three main story missions and then just walked around do killing you, things. Do you feel any basically. different about it right now? No, I'm not that's, gonna dude, that's that's me. Like that game is beautiful. The gameplay is really well done, but yeah. it just I told Seth this. It lose it's it's too long of a game for what it is. I as, as much as I enjoy the game, yeah. I also agree with that. It is it is it is entirely for the main story. Now, if all the if all the length of the game was attributed to like side quests as well or if it went past that, that's great. But for like for me that wanted to finish up the main story, I got to the second part of the island and I'm just like I felt like almost because it, it takes like 12 hours to get there and i'm like or act two i should say yeah i'd say eight to ten is like normal but yeah. if you side quest around a little bit you're still, that's, that's kind of what i was doing too yeah. and i was like i felt like there should only be 10 hours left this game like, no there's 20 mm-hmm. that's ridiculous yeah well and it doesn't help that the first 10 are kind of slow yeah they are like don't get me wrong slow games like because chris knows days gone's first 10 hours are mm-hmm. slow but then that game yeah. gets um, it picks up speed and then it never drops it Whereas exactly. the downside to Tsushima, as good as it is, is I guess they really wanted people to explore in such a way that they made sure the story left pockets for you to do things and kind of just go through. Yeah. It. But it it feels so slow that like I can understand, and even though I still think the first act needs to be a little quicker, I think it needs to get people in the, the heat of things a little quicker. But even if you could get past the first act and then as soon as you hit the second act, it's hit the ground running that might work and i'd say that it kind of does pick up speed in two and then it is pretty good speed in three but the game is never really at a perfect pace in my opinion see everybody says that everybody says like oh yeah act two it gets so much faster it doesn't well no it's not so much faster you know it's faster it's faster but it it's that's it's the equivalent of like a snail's paste and then like a like a motorized scooter versus you know like a normal car versus a ferrari it's faster but it's not even at a normal like rpg's pace it's, it's slower it's faster contextually yeah it's not faster necessarily but it's, yeah you hear that because like days gone actually does pick up for the most part and i, I say that i'm not even sure yeah. if i was at the part where days gone picked up i was at the part where um to dance around spoilers um you're taking care of boomer yeah at a very new area yeah got it yeah. 
that's actually that's not quite where it speeds up. I know it's a little bit past that. I would say you're like yeah, right you're, there, you're but not there yeah. yet. But you're not right. I'm actually, you're not just there yet. Actually, I'm going to reinstall that game and play it on PS5. Yeah, it, it looks fantastic on well, that was should. that was the only reason I stopped playing it this time around was that, um, yeah, that I was like, I'm waiting for PS5 upgrades. Yeah. That's kind of the thing at the, at the end of the PS4's life era was that, like, I'm waiting on PS5 upgrades. Well, now you get that 60 frames per second. I Bang also boy. downloaded um, the Tales of Arise demo just now. Or I need to play it. Earlier. Speaking of that, one of our patrons and longtime listeners, um, Jehudi, he mentioned it. Um, he messaged me the other day and he said it's been a long time since he's played a demo, but he played one and he really enjoyed it and it was Tales of Arise. I need to hit that too, <clears throat> but I don't know, man. I'm I'm so worried about Tales of Arise specifically because of Scarlet Nexus. I really like Scarlet Nexus, but it wore out its welcome. And I'm just so worried that's gonna <laughs> happen with Arise. Now, the upside is is it's not the same team, but it's a problem that almost every Namco Bandai game has had with me for yeah. like the last ten years. So I I don't have a lot of faith that it won't do that. So eh. yeah, I should probably play that demo because I keep thinking about pre-ordering Arise. I'm like, I haven't even played the demo. I don't know if I'm going <laughs> to like this. Why would I pre-order it? You know what it? makes that rough is <laughs> that I'm pretty sure if I'd have played this, the, the demo for Scarlet Nexus, which I didn't, I would have been like, oh yeah, yeah. I would have bought it. And now technically I enjoyed the game enough to finally finish it. But at the same time, just because I like Scarlet Nexus, but I had that problem with Link, that doesn't mean that just because I played the demo for Arise and it's great, doesn't mean it's not going to have the same problem. So it's not, the demo can't ease that concern. It just can't. Because it's a small slice of gameplay. For, so it comes down to how much do y'all talk and not move anything forward. But that's okay. We'll, we'll see yeah. what ends up coming. Uh, but that's just kind of where we are right now. Ugh. But that's cool. I, I hope you end up liking it more, but I think from the way you're sounding right now, you're probably at a position where you're not going to keep playing that anyway. So, yeah. What, a uh, ghost? Yeah, I, it's one of those things where I could see this week being like the perfect storm for me to finish it because I have until Wednesday off of work. If you really wanted to push through it. But at the same time. Yeah, it's like, do I really want this platinum? Because that's really what it's going to come down yeah, to. I think that's fair. Uh, where I could just keep playing Hades if I really yeah. wanted to do that. And that's the unfortunate <clears throat> part. So, uh, Saul, you've played Hades. Yeah. Chris, you've played Hades. I've okay. played Hades, yeah. Quick sell to me. I mean, I've already downloaded it. I'm, I'm planning on playing it. But if you had to like quick sell but your favorite thing, each of you, what would it be? Uh, Chris, you go ahead. Uh, my favorite thing is the story. And the writing. Interesting. I think it's incredible. I would have thought that that would have actually taken a back seat considering the type of game it is. No. It's one of the better stories I've played in games this year, I think. All right, Saul? So, exactly the same thing what Chris said, but with the voice acting included. The voice acting in that game is phenomenal. And not only that, but the gameplay loop is really Mm -hmm. well done. I'm I'm not surprised by the voice work. Every um, Supergiant game so far has had excellent. Uh, excellent it is super giant right is that her name i think okay. so yeah mm-hmm. i always yep, think of super massive who did until dawn and I, it, it bothers me because they're so similar yeah. <laughs> i get like three of those studios mixed up yeah who's the other one uh super giant super massive and then um um the ma- people who made um like the lotus whatever the lotus game is oh thunder lotus thunder lotus and i get their games mixed up it's not that i get them mixed up i get their games mixed up 
it's weird because only like one of them is full on triple A. <laughs> so if you were thinking like, ah, oh, you know that Thunder Lotus game until dawn, you'd be like, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, okay. I don't yeah, I don't get Thunder Lotus or until dawn mixed up with that. No. Yeah. I'm crazy. Mean, clearly i was saying it'd be funny um okay uh well i think here we are i know last week i slipped up and didn't get you guys a community state question sorry about that uh but guess what i wasn't out in the sticks uh for an entire weekend this weekend so i was able to get that up and going and we got some answers (laughs) you know i'm stuck in these woods because i was rescuing brett chris he didn't realize he was coming to rescue me and that's why he wasn't on the last episode Mm -hmm. so so do you know why yeah So, so you got that up and going you know what you didn't get up and going the news <laughs> oh i did i i, I actually didn't. <laughs> i spent i spent my hour hey. and a half this morning figuring out how to purpose like how to get chris onto this episode and watch it all fall apart we were, and none of it worked we were troubleshooting yeah <laughs> we were troubleshooting with how this all is gonna work it's okay hopefully it all works we need to send chris a, a, a key light to put directly above his screen so you can see his face dude am i going crazy i swear to god my lights are, are on crazy what's that knocking <laughs> Apparently, it's my phone ringing. Oh, I think my daughter's knocking on the door. Kyrie? Okay. Yeah, that's, uh, it threw me off because it is definitely somebody knocking on that door. Yeah, it was, let, it was, I heard Kyrie say daddy. So I have to figure out what's going on. But that's okay. Um, Saul, you have nothing up because... Why would you? What uh, do you have up? Hold por- on. Portal. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Chris is lost in the woods. Saul's over here playing Portal. <laughs> you shoot a portal into the oh, woods cool. and save my Actually, life. Here, let's see if we could try that out real, Chris. Uh, <laughs> real quick, Chris. Hey, um, look for like an orange glowy thing. Okay. Okay. I'm gonna walk. I'm gonna walk through the woods, and I'll hopefully oh, yeah, find one the, eventually. That's the, that's the butthole of the woods. <laughs> Brett lied to you. Don't climb into the butthole of the wood. Hey, apparently Chris just downloaded Tales of Arise. <laughs> oh, really? I did. Um, okay, so I'll let Brett handle that, and I'll help handle the community's take, which, um, you know, we asked you guys at the end of the last episode, and it was essentially, what game uh, did Nostalgia Goggles affect you the most on? And uh, we got a couple of good answers on there. Actually, my favorite answer on there is a very broad but it's very broad in a um, in a very good good way. Um, we have Liam who says basically any action game pre PS4 at this point cameras and ter- cameras are terrible in older games. Unchangeable button layouts, response times, etc. Try playing SOCOM. It's rough. And then he says below, but I really love replaying them, <laughs> which is true. Like any like older action game. Especially like if you go back and like look at original Devil May Cry, which I love, just to throw that out there. But the camera angle, it's fixed because it was Resident Evil at one point, mm-hmm. um, and it's just it's really wonky compared to something as fluid as Devil May Cry Five. Well, it's weird too because I think the strongest examples are going to exist in a. Hey, look! Hey, you found the portal! Oh my gosh! I did. Y'all need That's to watch right, the video true. episode of this. <laughs> oh, and look! Okay, yeah. Look, he's saved. He is saved. It's all good. It's all good. He found it. But where did you end up, Chris? Um, I don't know. I think that's Skyrim behind <laughs> I don't through the know portal. If that was Saul's portal. That might have been. I'm pretty sure else's. that's the College of Winterhole. This is great. Oh boy. Oh well, it, it's okay. <laughs> um. <laughs> oh no! 
It was Hassan and Kojima. Oh my gosh, that picture of Kojima kills me. <laughs> oh my god, it to, was Blue Box Studios all along. They're here to kill, kidnap Chris. This is, is the like uh, Scooby Doo episode. That's how Chris becomes punished. He gets kidnapped by Hassan. <laughs> That would actually be really great if this whole thing just ends up getting resolved with like Kojima making an animated cartoon that it was, it's like, oh, we know who it is. It was just Blue Box Studios all along. It pulls it off. That would be a fantastic gift to create. It would. Hassan is another snake clone <laughs> or big boss clone. So, uh, but yeah, using games within the same series is a big example of nostalgia goggles being able to be a lot more obviously felt. Um, I really enjoyed Rift Apart from Ratchet and Clank, so I thought, you know what? I never played, um, I never played Future, not Tools of Destruction, A Crack in Time, the next one. Yes, and so I went because it's on PS Now, and I played it on PS Now, and it ran really well on PS Now, which Chris and I are always talking about. PS Now, for at least that I know of, both of us runs well, um, but the game itself mm-hmm. is so different and feels a lot worse like it's interesting because in some ways it's really impressive how well it's held up as held up and then in other ways it's like god they have done so much work to make this way better because it needed to be better um so it's it's pretty crazy to see that stuff go on um that was just a good example for there but i think you see it in uh halo games too you know when we were doing the halo night yeah when you'd switch between multiplayer modes so you'd be like i want to hop into odst's multiplayer and then into reach's multiplayer and then we're going to come do something that's in halo 3's multiplayer it's pretty quickly evident well it's it's crazy you said halo because uh a good buddy uh and patron uh rude days he actually does say halo combat evolved um he said it changed the industry when it came out and even when it uh updates it still receives and hold on just had a stroke or something changed it changed the industry when it came out and even with the updates it received uh to somewhat modernize it it still see how outdated it's become playing with the master chief collection you can toggle back and forth the original one and the remastered version and it's amazing at how much work they put in the game to make it look better which is absolutely true on the master chief collection or actually in general i never played halo anniversary or the halo 2 anniversary whatever it was called um I remember seeing them because I worked at GameStop at the time, but I never actually saw them. I, I and like and running in real time. I love the idea of um, being able to hit a button, which does require a dedicated button, sadly. But being able to hit a button and actually see the original graphics and then the new ones, I thought that that would have been something really cool for Demon Souls to have pulled off on PS5. That would have been cool, yeah. Uh, real quick, I'm gonna let you guys kind of spearhead the show. My wife is not texting me back when I asked her if Kyrie needed me, so I'm wanting to make sure that there's not something odd going on. Okay. So if y'all can kind of just keep going with it, that'd be great. Thank you. Yeah, go for it. Um, I'll pull up another one since Rude Days. We happen to segue into that almost perfectly. Um, mm-hmm. Josh Ayers actually says one that's pretty – it's it's agreeable. He, uh, he says it's Mario 64. Um, the controls are okay, but after playing it through on Switch – he says, how did I do this on Nintendo 64? Which, yeah, he's not wrong. <laughs> Chris, have you ever played that? No. I'm sure you have, right? No, I'm not a, I'm oh, not a Mario oh, fan. Oh, really? Yeah, don't. Um, yeah, I've, I've tried, but yeah, I never played 64. I think I played the DS one. Yeah, Is that the uh, same? I actually did remake it for DS. Yeah. So I played some of it on the DS, but not enough to speak on it really. Actually, yeah, um, the controls like back then were like really pinpoint for like the controller, but then nowadays like it's it just it feels off. I, I it's weird. 
Um, let's yeah. see. Another Patreon, Rude Cold. He actually says Gran Turismo. Honestly, it was incredible uh, how realistic it looked and when it first came out. Um, looking back now, and I'm in agreement with Jim Ryan, boy, is it ugly looking. I actually never <laughs> played the original Gran Turismo. Uh, that was a was it PS one that that game came out? Yes, sir. Uh, I believe yeah, so. I yeah. Oof, oof. Yeah. You know the thing about Gran Turismo? What is that? The biggest thing about Gran Turismo is mm. not only do those games not really hold up graphically, they don't hold up mechanically. Like they feel really loose in comparison to the new ones. Uh, but also because they're so bad you can't even like get used to it because the game won't even let you do anything meaningful unless you pass the license test what yeah all (laughs) all gran turismo games i say all i'm pretty sure all of them have had license tests where to move on to a certain grade of car you have to have a, a license for that car and that means you have to do this challenge to prove that you're able to drive this car. So not only are the games, not only are they really rough and hard to play and look kind of rough, but at the same time, you have to master that before you can even start to play the game realistically. The only thing you can do is go through a, a lap on a track trying to do this weird set of <clears> obstacles. Interesting. Yeah, so OG they, Gran Turismo. Like, yeah. You have like RPG elements. Yeah, I mean that's what that's the whole simulator <laughs> thing, right? Andrew, we were telling him the other day because uh, he started playing Sea of Thieves for the first time with us, and it's like you have to tell him like, you have to do everything yourself. You have to lower the sails yourself. You have to look at the map and locate where the you have to, like the map doesn't have a beacon of where you're at. You're just looking at a piece of paper that has the shape of the island on it and an X, and you have to figure out where that X is at. You don't know where you are in relation to the X or anything. But that's also what's kind of fun about it. Yeah, it's 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 very mm-hmm. much like you and your buddies out in like just the random the, the random seas. Yeah, I've not played much Forza, so I really don't remember. I've played Forza, but I've never started from the ground up on OG like normal Forza uh, Motorsport, not Horizon. I don't know if they have the license test in their game. I don't think they do. Um, I played Forza Motorsport, but I really fell in love with Horizon. Yeah, Horizon's really good. Uh, I mean. I still fell out of it, but I mean, I could see its quality. It's just, I hated how much it looked like it was just trying to be Fortnite. Like I'm cool. Like a bunch of 40 year olds being in a game development studio and be like, is this how 20 year olds would act? (laughs) That's just what it felt like. Definitely for Forza Horizon 4. Hello, fellow gamers. Yeah. Oh man. Okay. So let's see. We got Rude Cold. We got Liam. We got um, Josh Ayers. We got actually most of them on Discord. So the Josh Ayers one's interesting because I think someone else ended up saying it. But um, yeah. So Josh Ho, which is, and I might be saying his name wrong. I hope I'm not, man. Um, He is one of our newer members in the Facebook group. So Josh, hope you're doing well. Thanks for reaching out and uh, and communicating with us, man. He says, I'm constantly believing more and more that Super Mario 64 is falling into this category. And he says, also, I'm not sure how uh, you all felt about the Demtium games, Nintendo DS. What is it? Demtium, D-E-M-T-I-U-M. I... You know what's interesting is how... Oh, maybe he meant Dementium, uh, and it was just, you know... I've never heard of that either. Dementium. That actually sounds more familiar, but let me double-check this. Oh! Okay, I've never played these games, but I remember when I worked at GameStop that I would see these covers, and I always thought, for a DS game, this looks hardcore. Look at that, Saul. Beautiful. I've never seen that game before. 
Yeah, neither have I, but I'm assuming they were... Oh, look. It was like first person... It was almost like Doom. First person on DS never worked out. Yeah. <laughs> Except for... Um, 3DS. Oh, look, Doom. it's Metroid Alan Hunter. Wake. <laughs> Use a flashlight. Alan Wake ripped off this game, dude. This game came out before Alan Wake. This is uh, Dementium the Ward. They're a bunch of cheaters. Yeah, that's the first one. Yeah, I've never played those, Josh. Uh, I do remember seeing them, though. Uh, I wasn't too big on the DS, mainly because I didn't have one until really late on, and I got it for Pokemon, uh, black and white. And then I ended up actually getting a 3DS, so they came out mu- not much longer after that, and I played the handful of games from DS I really wanted to play on 3DS because you could use the analog slider instead of the D-pad, and it was just more comfortable. Boy, if you didn't play DS to play Spectros, I don't know what you're doing. Spectroids, spectrobes. Oh, spectrobes! I do remember seeing that. I don't. I never played it. Yeah, it was. Um, it's like a Pokemon ripoff. Ooh, that was actually really good. All right, so I got to get one that I think was aimed at me on purpose, but we're gonna see. Uh, Vincent Hole, uh, who is the order? Basically, he's he's the would be husband boyfriend of uh, of Kiki, one of our longtime listeners, and Vince has been a longtime listener as well. Vince, hope you're doing well, bud. Kiki, you too. Um, he says RuneScape. <laughs> and Oof. I know that Kiki had some... Uh, he, he was a little salty about my uh, Final Fantasy fourteen remarks, even though I didn't say I didn't like the game or hated the game. Oof, yeah. So uh, there we are. Say what you will. Yet I spent my whole week playing old school RuneScape. And not because of the way it looks, uh, be- because of the way it plays. I was actually telling Saul before we even started recording that there's somebody working on a patch for old school RuneScape to bring back the 2008 to 2011 ish graphics period before they went into RuneScape 3. Um, and I would love that because the game would look a little bit better. And that was some of my favorite memories of the game. But, you know, is what it is. Kiki, if you were all over that, <clears throat> I got you. Oh, let's see. This one's pretty good because it's kind of similar to uh, it's it's kind of broad in the long run. But Corey Crash Hickerson, one of our dear friends, our buddy Crash, hope you're doing well. He says Twisted Metal, which is absolutely true. (laughs) He says also really just about anything on Nintendo 64. That early 3D was rough. He's true. It's very true. It is. It's often true. Like PlayStation One too. Like what we said with Gran Turismo is like for the first time that I played Final Fantasy VII in a while, like three years ago, maybe four years ago. I was like, oof. I forgot how bad this just looked. Well, and I find it interesting because as much as I love PS4 and a lot of way PS4 was able to be more detailed because of texture use, um, actual 3D uh, like resolution and rendering tech on the 64 was better than the PS1. But because of the way their cast sizes were working on everything, they really couldn't run textures. Yeah. So more often than not, it was really detailed like color shading. And that was it. Like, if you think about Super Mario 64, he has almost zero textures on him. He's just really nice and defined curves and shapes geometry yeah, that there, has colors. There's no denim in them apple bottom jeans. <laughs> yeah. Whereas, if you think about like Resident Evil 2 uh, on PlayStation 1, it has way more detail because of just general textures, but the game actually looks rendered a lot better on the 64. So it's it's kind of a weird setup to how the early 3D era ended up coming around. I mean, there's plenty of other examples too, but kind of between there, like you had Dreamcast and Sega Saturn, um, and all sorts of weird things like that, and seeing that kind of weird 2D to 3D translation. But interesting time period. Uh, let's see. I'm gonna grab one more. Everybody cool with that? Yeah. 
right. This one's from Sean Easton, another one of our newer people in the Facebook group. Sean, hope you're doing well. Thanks for reaching out. He says, for me, probably Thief 2 or Deus Ex. Loved both of them back in the day. Not nearly as great now. I never played the OG Deus Ex on um, computer from uh, Eidos or whoever actually did. I can't remember who made those. I think Eidos did make it. Eidos and Square, right? Well, I mean, that's who ended up with it in the long run, but I can't remember the actual original developer. Now, Thief 2 was Looking Glass Studios, uh, if I remember the name correctly, and I did play that game um, on my buddy John's computer. He had it, and he had a computer that could actually run games. That's where I first started playing Final Fantasy XI online, and he had that game. I'd never even heard of it, and popped it in, and I loved it, and I played the heck out of it. Uh, and I tried replaying it a few years back because you can get it on uh, Steam and stuff. And it's still a great game. Like you think about what it was, it was great back then. But who them nostalgia goggles hit hard. Uh, it's Eidos Storm. I mean, Eidos Storm was Edo, um and Eidos back in the original Day Six. I think what it was originally is that Eidos was the publisher, and they ended up they ended up retaining publishing rights, and therefore they basically own the IP. Yeah, I, I, so then when Square bought Idos, they were able to work it out. Yeah, so all right, yeah, it's pretty good, pretty good answers. I like a lot of these. So thank you guys for reaching out. I will say what we're going to kind of go back to doing. If you've been listening to us long uh, for a long time, as I know many of you have, the community's take is going to switch up. It's going to kind of be part of the new run of the show where we're going to have a main topic at the end of the show it's not going to be topical necessarily some weeks it might be most weeks it probably won't be um where we kind of openly talk about something that we just all want to talk about uh one big topic be it you know what would you want to see in a playstation handheld again or whatever but after that the community's take will be based off of that one topic and it'll be your thoughts on what we talked about at the end of that previous week. And we'll share your thoughts on that and give you a chance to challenge us, share your points of view and have us go over it and see if it changes the way we view certain things, give people different points of view, and then we'll go on with the episode. Um, so this is probably the last of the community's take as the way we've been making them, but this is all part of the show trying to kind of go into its third evolution. We still want to keep most of the show intact, but we're just having a little fun with certain aspects of it to change it up. So with that said, we don't have news in the very traditional sense, but I guess we can go ahead and hop into the cold opening that we did, which is the idea of Activision confirming that all of its core studios are now working on Call of Duty. Uh, Chris, you're a Call of Duty fan, so I'm going to kind of throw this at you, and I yeah. know Saul really is more than I am, I think. Um, yeah. So I'm, I think y'all two are the most interesting thing here. How do you feel about this? Is this a good thing? Is this a bad thing? Is this too many people running in, or as we call it, too many cooks? <laughs> uh, it's a good thing, and if you like Call of Duty, right? Like Call of Duty, you would imagine is going to be in a better spot the more people who work on it. But I think that sucks in terms of like I'd like to see other games exist. <laughs> yeah, the thing about the, it, I find this weird. Because you may know, you may have a better setup of this. I know Warzone's huge, and I know Fortnite yeah. was huge, and I know Apex has been huge. Yeah, I think for the most part. Is there kind of like a consensus on huge. which of those three battle royales? And that's this is currently just talking about the battle royale aspect of it. But do you know which of those three is kind of the actual most popular? Is it Warzone by a mile, or is Apex still fighting? Is um, Fortnite still kind of a contender in there? 
I mean, I would, if I had to guess just based on me, it would probably be Fortnite, Apex, Warzone. In terms of popularity? Um, okay. Yeah. That's because Warzone is broken. So, like, most of the big streamers came over to Apex, and Fortnite is a children's game. So, obviously, that's going to be big. But um, I think, yeah, I think for me, in terms of what I know, I think Warzone is definitely in the, the lower tier. It's actually crazy, just as like a random, you know, unit of measurement to see um, going off of Twitch to see like what the popular ones were, because I actually wouldn't have guessed um, or I wouldn't have known what to guess. You hit the nail on the head going off of Twitch. It is definitely Fortnite Apex followed by Call of Duty being last. Yeah, because Call of Duty is just stuck with cheaters and hackers and stuff. So people have left that game. So. And now they moved Apex over to Apex. Good. Yeah, it's just, Come I join like us. it. I love Apex. <laughs> join us. Um, my only thing with Apex <laughs> is like I, I never had anybody that wanted to play it. So you playing a battle royale by yourself is boring. Well, you have Chris now. True. <laughs> <laughs> also, I love how Chris is like, eh, I probably paid like a thousand hours of it by myself. <laughs> well, you, I can play like three games. Um, so like, this is I mean, I'm done. Yeah. I have I have four hundred more hours in Apex than the guy I play with every night. So, <laughs> so that means you have at least four hundred hours by yourself, or with, or with someone else. Yeah, yeah, exactly. See, ooh, I guess that's just not my type of game. I can have a little bit of fun with it, but it's like a short-lived stint of like a week of having fun with it, and then I'm kind of done. Um, but here, here's the thing: I looking at Call of Duty. So, Chris, you like Call of Duty? I'm assuming that means that Warzone's sure. not what you like Call of Duty for. Okay, so you do you like no, it for the multiplayer, like the normal personal. multiplayer? Okay. Yeah, exactly. So, have are you a fan of the idea? And I I, I liked it a lot. Um, and then it still ends up not really mattering much to me. But do you like the idea of kind of moving between developers so that every year you get like a slightly different feeling and looking Call of Duty? No, not anymore. Why? Because I think at this point they should be ubiquitous games. If if everyone's making Call of Duty, then make yeah. one. Oh, I Call agree of Duty. with this. Yeah, at this and point, keep- if if all your studios are working on it, then that's a far more reasonable thing. The thing they were doing before. Well, but it's also, it's also like kind of, it's to, like every year you'll get a different game, and then in three years you'll get a game that feels like the game you got three years ago, but not the game you were playing last year, and it doesn't feel like the game you were playing two years ago. It doesn't make sense. Like just make them all. Well, aligned. from and my point of view on that, the reason I actually liked it is because the majority of Call of Duty I don't care for. Now, I do occasionally play Call of Duty multiplayer, not very much, um, but I like that not only are the gameplay changes reflected in the multiplayer, they're often reflected in the story as well. The way that they choose to go about designing their games are just inherently different. And I would find that when they do it this way, I had a chance of being like, well, if I don't like the majority of Call of Duty, but I like this one, then at least the chances that in three years there'll be another Call of Duty I might really like is pretty high. Then it gets somebody like me who normally exists pretty outside of the franchise to suddenly be in it. So that's what I thought was the kind of the value before. Now, the reality is is that you're probably right. It's probably still better to just leave the few scragglers like me and a couple of other people behind and just go... Eh, whatever. There's yeah. plenty of people who just want Call of Duty to be a slightly better, you know, an always growing better version every year. Well, yeah, I would say that you're not, they don't care about you, first off. Not to be a dick, but like you play maybe a week a year. 
like that's not an important medium. But I guess in terms of what I was saying in the releases, think about this, right? It was Infinite Warfare, which was a space mm-hmm. jump pack game, and then the next Call of Duty came out was yeah. World War Two. Literal. Ex- how, how are you supposed to? Because you're the way they want you to play these games is all that you play World Infinite Warfare all the way up until the release of World War Two, and then you play World War Two and you're like, oh, I don't have any automatic weapons. <laughs> <laughs> Where's my laser guns? Like it doesn't make sense. Like just Modern Warfare one, two, three. Do it, do it in a row. Do it like that. And then if you want to change up your gameplay, take a break. Like Assassin's exactly. Creed. Exactly. I, I you have Warzone. Agree. And I think this is honestly the best way moving forward because. Like what Chris was saying is that there are there's split fans because Black Ops plays differently than Modern Warfare and they all play differently than World War Two and then World mm-hmm. War Two plays differently than Cold War. It's it's every year it's a toss up on quality and I think Modern Warfare set a bar and that bar was really high that Cold yeah. War could not live up to and it did. Oh yeah, you mean to. the newest Modern yeah. Warfare? Yeah, and because of that. You know, it, it's in that rough spot of like Cold War came out and people, the Modern Warfare was still m- way more massive. Well, what I've kind of noticed oh, yeah. outside looking in, right, is that people used to really be like Modern Warfare 1, 2, and 3 back in the 360 days happened. And then people started really loving the Treyarch games, uh, the original Black Ops, Black Ops 2. And then some people still liked Black Ops 3 and then Black Ops 4. But I found that. Whereas at one point in time, Infinity Ward kind of lost the way. Everybody kind of just universally came back and said, oh yeah, this is finally what I want because Modern Warfare introduced a lot of gameplay changes to Call of Duty. It just did. And I mean, even even not spending much time on it, it's a considerably different game. Talk about the original Modern Warfare. No, the new one. It, the original one did too, but I even think the new one changed and added a lot of things to multiplayer and the general game that changed the way you play the game to be different and yeah. again outside looking in so uh, my, my opinion is not I, was I, don't say, really I, agree I, with that. I would be hard pressed to find like more than five differences well yeah it's but does, still the, does the amount of differences matter so much as the impact of the one yes i don't think that there is an impact of one though well and, and that's i'm not even looking at one thing i'm just saying if, if it was a well, small then, okay. handful but they were really impactful and, and again i could be wrong What's, i really don't i've, I've played war zone which is based off of modern warfare it is modern warfare i mean that's what i thought yeah um that's its engine yeah so in that regard it didn't feel like the last time i had played a call of duty game which was infinite warfare well warzone's not a call of duty game in my opinion in the same way as black ops and modern warfare and infinite warfare but you also just proved my point yeah you're talking about how infinite warfare and modern war and warzone yeah. don't mesh and that's true because one is a space jump pack laser <laughs> yeah. gun shooter and the other one is a hardcore 2021 yeah, military shooter it, they don't align <laughs> yes that's, that's i mean that's true <laughs> yeah it's so just which one we're talking about differs <laughs> i actually i won't say yeah i know no, infinite warfare, warfare is garbage uh, i intended to and i just never got around to it so i, I have very little opinion uh, i will say Multiplayer for Infinite Warfare was terrible. Storyline was chef kiss. Um, campaign. Sorry. Sure. I guess that's what the word to use because it's more than just a story. It was fun. Well, and that's the thing is the majority of those people, they, they, they care about campaign to a degree, but it's not about that. That's not what keeps them playing till the next sure. one comes yeah. out, which sure. is always one year. Um, so that's, that's, that's why I'm so excited for this is that as a fan of 
I, I've missed traditional multiplayer shooting games. Like I, I am a fan of battle royale games to an extent, but I have missed like six versus six team deathmatch or six versus six team slayer. And modern warfare really hit the nail on the head there to me with that kind of gameplay for that kind of game mode. And if they can keep that quality up and give me a shooter to look forward to that I'll play, you know, four months out of every year and then take a, you know, seven and a half month break on and then play the new one, then there's tons of value in that. For me, I was never, I was never one of those people that, that cared too much about like black ops versus like modern warfare. Um, I was a more of a modern warfare fan than black ops, but it was, it was always weird because friends that I had who were Modern Warfare fans would essentially just not play Black Ops when it came out because it's such a drastically different game in a way. And then it's like you lose half your friend group of playing that game until the next one comes out, which is also pretty bad. Now, I did see that a lot. And so there, from a sheer business perspective, it actually makes more sense to get everybody used to a single gameplay style and move it forward. Because I used to hear that all the time. When I worked at GameStop, my friends who play Call of Duty, they'd be like, ah, well, I don't really care for that. I don't care for Treyarch style. So I'm not going to play this year's. I'll just keep playing the one I'm playing because there'll still be an online community there for a little, for a while. Yeah. Um, so yeah, in that regard, I could see it. It's just it's always unfortunate when you like an entry, but it's the reality of the industry too. When you like a certain entry in a series, just for the series to completely move away from it, and you're like, okay, <laughs> I guess there I am. But you know, to be fair, it's not about me. It's about the money that everyone else throws at them. And I don't play multiplayer, so my my dollar is finite. My dollar is the sixty dollars I bought for the game for. And that's it. Whereas they're worried about the person who buys the game for $60 or just plays Warzone for free and then spends $300 in random stuff throughout the game. So, sensible enough. Anybody else want to add anything else on that? No, I've said kind of no, what I, I need think to. I'm Y'all are sitting pretty on that? <laughs> please, please don't. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, do you want to talk about the new Call of Duty? Yeah, that sure. Got we're talking about, yeah, talking about Call of Duty. So, now, when you say announced, did it actually get a revealed revealed on Thursday? Yes. Goes to show you how far out of it. I yes. haven't seen it. I remember now that it was teased for a long time, Vanguard. Um, well, okay, I didn't see it. So y- y'all go ahead and uh, I'm going to watch it while y'all are talking about it. Chris, you want to you wanna fire off? Uh, no, I mean, I didn't have much to say about it. It's just it's World War II, so I have no interest. Yeah, see, that's kind of the weird <laughs> thing is that like what we just got done talking about was you hear this and you're like, oh, yes, yeah, Modern Warfare all the time, all, all the time, baby. But then this happens, which this is in the Modern Warfare engine, yeah. which has me more interested yeah. in it. But oh, yeah, because um, Cold War was not, was it? No. Yeah, I forgot about that. No. That's, and, dude, I'm telling you, Modern Warfare's game engine, the gameplay of that game is so well done that, like, when Cold War came out, it was mm-hmm. just like people went immediately back. Well, they're they're noticeably different looking. You can tell they're different engines. I, I remember seeing screenshots of it, and I'm not even saying that Cold War looks bad, but they look like they're different styles of game entirely. And what, what got weird with that, yeah. too, is that they, they started adding each other's guns to the games yes i did see that yeah. and I, I'm, yeah. I'm not sure I, I don't think i'm a big fan of that because you have like a, a 2021 shooter that's hardcore using like a weapon from like 1970 something or 1960 something whatever cold war actually took place so this kind of makes sense because this is sledgehammer's turn at the wheel right and sledgehammer's yeah, last game. call of duty game was world war ii correct i actually don't know 
Yeah, they were I believe supposed right. to have been last year. Yeah, but then Raven and Treyarch ended up coming over and and doing it because apparently Sledgehammer and Raven could not see eye to eye on the um the game, which is probably another reason that Cold War has issues. Is apparently like a year before the game came out, they completely switched developers and and idea and had to kind of just get it together yeah to still be able to release uh i mean it still sold bonkers amounts so i guess it worked out for him in the long run world war ii is sledgehammer and raven yes raven was a support studio yeah. for them for a while and then when it came time the one ahead. the one sledge the one sledgehammer did by themselves yep. was advanced warfare which that's the thing with the sledgehammer yeah. i think they've done the top two of like the middle tier call of duties and you know so i i mean this one might be good but i don't want to play a world war ii game again i'll play battlefield exactly 2042 i'll just play battlefield 2042 yeah you see the weird thing is is that advanced warfare is such an interesting example too because advanced warfare is actually the exact opposite of my experience with infinite warfare i tried to play the campaign and just didn't care and then i fell in love with the multiplayer and there's never been a call of duty game that has mm-hmm. had the same style of multiplayer in my opinion okay i'm not gonna it's not entirely yeah. that though it is a little bit with the actual jumpsuits but the reward system and how they let you customize your character was like a cool thing for progression and that's not normally something that they've kept up with yeah sadly no I like Advanced Warfare. I think that's the only one of the jetpack games I like. Um, for me, it would be like Call of Duty 4, Black Ops 2, and then Modern Warfare. And then Advanced Warfare is one of those where I'm like, yeah, I played it during that year, but I don't ever want to talk about it again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's weird. I, I guess, you know, when looking at the idea, right? Because we're still talking about that. When looking at the idea of all Call of Duty core studios working on this, can any of y'all think of examples mm. of like Activision games uh, or things they've made that you are worried are not going to be seeing the light of day anymore because of this? Or do you think that even matters? Because Activision has like slowly been closing in more and more to where every little studio that used to do something else, they pull them in. They're like, now you're a support studio. Now you're a support studio. I don't think it really matters. I mean, yeah, it doesn't matter. You know, I think every once in a while we'll get like a Sekiro, but they make call of duty and they've been making just call of duty like i can't think of anything outside of the ps3 era that activision has done outside of what crash and even then they had to be like held at the point of a gun to make crash so and tony hawk and two of those came from the exact same developer and then one of those came from a developer that also is no longer making crash after making another crash game so yeah it's been few and far between you know looking at sekiro as an example i mean is that do you think activision's solution to that is make you think of them in ways where their core studios don't actually have to develop the games they can just go out and partner with the independent studio yeah i mean that seems like the best option for them i guess because why would you do anything else? Why would you spend any extra money on anything else? Yeah, when you it's such a shame. Dude? Because why I'll say, like, I don't something I've missed, like in general, throughout the PS4 generation, and they yeah. were really great games, and they were high reviewed, and they sold pretty well. Um, late PS3, mid mid to late PS3 uh, gen, mm-hmm. they had High Moon Studios, which is now, of course, a Call of Duty support studio, have been for pretty much the entire PS4 gen. Uh, the last game that they made themselves, yeah. I'm pretty sure, was Deadpool, uh, which is not a terrible game either, okay. pretty solid. Um, but they made both War for Cybertron and Fall of Cybertron. Fantastic mm-hmm. games. Yes, they did. And I really... Great game. That's the kind of thing of like, I just... 
my hope is that everyone in that studio is just cool with becoming one and they weren't just like, well, I need this <clears> job, so I'm going to stay here. Uh, and then the ones who didn't want that just left. But it is kind of one of those things where it's like you had a great studio doing great work and it's a little unfortunate that they're just kind of being relegated to work on someone else's property. Um, and it's it's more yeah. because, I mean, I'm, I'm lamenting the loss of something I thought was really cool and I wanted to see more out of High Moon Studios because I thought they could have been a premier developer if they kept getting worked on. Not it's, it's a little hyperbolic, but I mean, you could get to a point where High Moon could have been like Activision's Rocksteady if you kept giving them the opportunity and looking for interesting licenses for them to use. Um, well, I, I guess to play devil's advocate, didn't they give them the chance with I guess four Deadpool, games? Uh, but in Deadpool did not do super well. It so. did not. Yeah, that's my thing. Now, it's like, I don't game? think what was their fourth one. I think, the, I think the, the transformers game is no, our trilogy. Uh, I'm going to check, but I, you might be right. I'm, I uh, thought there was like a you, it's, third. It's, it's, there's only two. Yeah, okay, I mean, I really you. love those games. Um, I, I wish there was a third one; that would be sick. But there's not. Now they may have had another licensed game. I just don't know what it was. Um, I was right. <laughs> uh, it's Rise of the Dark Spark that uh. they made. That was the third one. I don't think it's the same. I think it's like an actual movie game. Well, yeah, but that's, but. That, that's not. Hold on, Rise of the Dark Spark. Are you talking about the the second? So they made the Transformers. I, I know what you're talking about. It's not part of that trilogy. It's because it's not a, a trilogy thing. But they did make a third Transformers game. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. Well, it's also not. It's also not High Moon Studios. But the Wikipedia article has it up there for War for Cybertron. So that's I don't know. Super what's weird. Like. Dude, these these <laughs> the scores yeah, are so ridiculous. Three point seven out of five for GameStop. So not bad. But then you got a four point nine out of ten for IGN. Which which is it? Is this game bad or is this game okay? <laughs> and it's not even from it, it's from developer way forward and edge of reality. What is going on here? Yeah, that's a really weird Wikipedia article. What? Hold on. What? It does say game? that this is a third entry in the Cybertron series following War and Fall. <laughs> no freaking way. This game's art style looks like Mass Effect had diarrhea. So here's the problem. They consider it a sequel, but they also say it's a crossover with the live action Age of Extinction. This is such horse crap. Look, Chris, I, I, I'll <laughs> recant. You were technically, you were correct. There's no you shouldn't there. be. You, you should not be. And I hate that this exists. <laughs> I remember seeing this game, but I don't know how anyone seeing this game would have thought this was a continuation of the fall of Cy- the war or fall of Cybertron games. Well, because I'm telling you, I swear to God, I remember them advertising it as the finale of this trilogy, which is why it's been in my head as so the third Cybertron game. The finale of a trilogy that had two uh, two games under a single developer and a single unified vision, and then you had this piece of garbage come out. Yes, the Godfather says Good hello. Lord. Oh God, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I hate that I'm wrong here. Not because I'm wrong. I hate I that know, I'm wrong I because of it. what has to exist for me to be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Either way, your point stands. Go ahead. They, I feel like they. I feel like they give their studios chances, but they don't. They don't because I feel like because they have Call of Duty, they're like, oh, Singularity sold five hundred thousand copies. That doesn't matter. Then you just throw it on Call of Duty, even though that game might have turned a profit. Mm-hmm. But they make a million dollar profit instead of a fifty-six billion dollar profit True, or whatever they made. Was Raven, so why would right? they keep making? Yes, 
Yeah, they did two I can think of. It was Raven did X Men Origins oh. Wolverine, which is the best superhero video game I've ever played. Yeah. What? Yeah. Ooh. That game's awesome. See, uh, it's weird. Activision had this time period of having some of the absolute worst <laughs> uh, licensed yeah. games and some of the coolest. Like, the fact that both of those Transformers games were really great and then whatever that third piece crap was. But uh, Activision was also the person <laughs> who partnered, if I'm not mistaken, with Platinum to make the Transformers. Legends of Korra. They, they did that. Yeah, but Transformers Devastation. Transformers Devastation, and both of those games were rough. Not good. This uh, Origins game actually reminds yeah. me of a Game Boy Advanced X-Men game that I had that was really good. Hold on, are you talking about the Game Boy Advanced one where it was like a Metroidvania? Yes. That game was awesome. You played as Wolverine <laughs> I don't know. on yep. a side-scroller Metroidvania, and it was, what, X3? X3 Wolverine's Revenge. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Game Boy Advance has to come into every episode from now on, guys. You know, the funny thing about that Wolverine game is that it would have been much worse, but the movie got delayed, so the game also got delayed, so they spent like an extra six months on it and made oh, the game excellent. Oh, you know why the movie got delayed, too? Funnily enough, right to take Will stuff. I Am out. They took Will I Am that out. That makes sense, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, but that was, uh, that was 2008. Uh, that was right when the writer strike was yeah. going on and uh, a bunch of stuff. And that's also why that movie's so weird. There was no writer. They had like an outline and then no one actually wrote the movie. It was just, these are your points. You just got to figure out how to get between each one of them. Oh, uh, so then they take Deadpool's <laughs> mouth. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. That was also what happened ironically with, uh, the second transformers movie. Um, the, uh, <laughs> Oh God! What was it what called? is the second? Yeah, what Revenge is of the Fallen. Yeah, that one wasn't too bad. And that it had mm. zero story. If you actually watch yeah. that movie, there's zero story. There's plot doesn't exist. It's just no. actions. <laughs> the only thing I remember about that movie is the uh, is the robot balls. Yeah. Oh wait a second, that's a different movie. Then what am I thinking? Oh wait, is that no, no, three? No, 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 two, no, no that was. Two. I'm pretty sure that was two because two is the one that had the two, the two yeah. small cars that were like smart mouths talking to each other when they transform out. They were like little robots. Now you have me confused. At- oh, the super racist cars. Yes, <laughs> yes. I remember. Those. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. I remember. You have me confused at what yeah. I'm thinking. Of, uh, it was. Did I? And you had Sam cheat on his girlfriend. Yeah. yeah well, the just to be like, cars. just to be like, well, it didn't really matter because it turned out not to be a real girl. <laughs> It's just a flashlight. What can I do? It's a flashlight, guys. Don't worry about it. So, yeah. What a weird time for the industry as a whole. Just zero writing taking place and just like, ah, we'll make it work out. Don't worry about it. All right. We've talked enough about that. Um, (laughs) So, here's something that's quick that I'm more surprised about than anything. Uh, This this is more than I care. Biomutant sold a million copies and made its cost back in a week. So my hope is that that means we get another chance at a Biomutant game that can rough some, uh, round off some of the rough edges. Now, something that caught Saul's eye that I think is worth talking yes. about for a second is Abandoned. Is, oh. I know we keep talking about this, but I promise this isn't the, the whole is it or is it or isn't it. Uh, this is actually over the Carmen guy. Or I actually don't know how you pronounce that, but Caramon. Caramon. Um, Kojima. <laughs> <laughs> we had to get there some way. Um, so Chris's background fits. Uh, he's he's out of the forest, but he's uh, he's not out of the woods. Um, Shut up. <laughs> so 
Saul noticed this, and apparently a statement from Karaman mentions that those who purchase the now early access version of this game, The Haunting, will get abandoned free of charge. Now, here's a weird thing about this. <laughs> so I pulled up on Steam. I pulled up The Haunting of... I forgot what it's even called. It's not called just The Haunting. It's The Haunting of... Uh, uh, blood, hold blood on. Curse. Blood Curse. Haunting uh, Blood Curse. Blood Water Curse. Blood, yeah, so I pulled it up on Steam. Damn it. Yeah, Blood Water currently, Curse. I don't know if this changes. I doubt it's going to change in a day, but it might. Uh, you can't do anything with it. You can't buy it. You can't get in it on its early access. You can't do anything with it. Um, so it's weird that they would make an article that says if you bought this game, you would get free or abandoned for free, but you can't buy the game. But not only that, how can they make this promise to PlayStation users? Because it doesn't specify in this article. So this article right here actually is interesting. Saul's on the Steam page right now looking for the game, right? Uh, it shows in 2020, Blue Box releases a horrible horror game, The Haunting, on Steam in early access. Game receives 100% negative reviews. This is also, this is just a, an, a, a, a graphic. So fact check it if you're curious. It says that the, because of the 100% negative reviews, they removed the buy option. It says a big update is coming very soon. Delays the update. The update was never released. They quit developing and gave the game to create Q Interactive to finish it. This fake studio didn't finish development either. That's exactly what it says. Now, whether or not these things are in or out, if, even if 50% of this graphic is true, this sounds a lot like Abandoned, doesn't it? Yes, I've seen Everything it. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Delayed. Nothing's ever finished. And yep. you just go on. Oh, look, Chris is back in the forest. Yeah, I found some grass. That's, that's a good forest. That's that's p PT, very very PT forest. I'll smack you. <laughs> yeah, it's very pretty. You have to explain the joke. I PT the fool. Um, shut up. <laughs> oh fuck you. Shut up. Just shut it up. Oh man, this three people podcast is where it's at. It is. It's fun. <laughs> All right, so that's kind of just looking at that aspect of it. Now, what's going on? I want to go back up and find where he actually says this. Um. Let's see. Speaking to IGN in an interview is what it says. The head of Blue Box Studios mentioned that people who buy Blue Box's previous unfinished title will also get their newest unfinished title for free. <laughs> I love the wording of this <laughs> article, which is uh, Xputer. I don't know who that is. Hilarious. It's a good. good I still see this is what I don't understand. In this article, it says, quote, talking to IGN, Karaman mentions that those who purchase the now early access version of The Haunting will get abandoned free of charge. Uh, then it goes on to say players will have to fill out a form to provide proof of purchase on Blue Box website to get a free copy for abandon. End quote. How? How? Like you, you can't. Uh, my my assumption is that they're trying to make good on the haunting. So people who bought it in early access, they're like, here, we'll give you our new game for free since you've spent money on this, and we didn't deliver, but. That's the only thing I could think. Are they going to contact each Steam user and be you like, hey, you have the haunting. You you have the haunting in your library, so here's well, Abandoned. So, you know like, what let's, I mean? Let's let's buy the game, though. Like, let's say if I bought the game just now and I, and I to play it, yeah. you can't. But like, let's say if they fix this, their website doesn't work. You, there's nothing on this website. It says, we are preparing yeah. for dot, dot, dot. And it says, we're preparing the website. In the meantime, you can reach us at contact at blueboxgamestudios.com which is their email or their Twitter, which their newest tweet is still talking about the patch for the app. 
I don't get it. Like you would think that they go to IGN and they tell somebody like, oh yeah, if you buy our old game, you'll get this game for free. But then you can't buy their old game. Why are they not tweeting about this? Yeah, I don't know. This one's certainly weird. And I think it just goes to show that no matter what, right, let's drop everything else about the Kojima and whatnot, the the conspiracy sides of it, right? Let's just look at the, if this was a real indie studio, uh, how is, what is going on? It's like every single step of the way they are dropping the ball, confusing every bit of the lines they can, and just getting seemingly nowhere it just seems like they're constantly treading water um this ain't real and barely floating up i'm just i don't know it's so confusing that's not real no it's not you see the blue box the letters are wider than the rest of them yeah so that's clearly an edit oh but yeah this is just the thing about this is i we keep talking about it right even in the thing where this is purely a thing, I don't think that they're handling this well. And no matter what, at the end, there's going to be so much frustration that I don't know if anybody's going to be willing to really give the game a try. Unless it's revealed. The only game way this game is successful is if it's Silent Hills or Metal Gear. That's it. I don't think there's any other way. Like before, I was willing to give them the, the benefit of the doubt, but the problem going on here is that they are constantly flubbing up and it's just, it's hard to, it, I understand, and I'm not going to say anything's irreparable, right? I think that a lot of people can clearly look at No Man's Sky. But the interesting thing about No Man's Sky is that they didn't mess up until the game came out. No one knew. They can't even fake yeah. being in a, good spa- in a good spot because every time something's supposed to happen, it just doesn't. <laughs> And I, I feel bad yeah. for him if that's the really case, but at the same time, I mean, you've got to know what you're getting yourself into sometimes. And maybe it's sometimes you got to know when to back out, you know? Yeah, I don't know. I'm at the point where, like, I'm at the point where it's so insane that it's it's got to be something. Because people have made this point, but Sony hasn't said anything. Kojima hasn't directly said anything. Konami hasn't said anything. You know, all the only the only people who have even vouched for Blue Box are this extremely high end support studio. I don't know. I just think it's I, I think it's like pretty obvious that it's something not you know not just some indie title. It's very clearly someone has yeah, a hand yeah. in this. I mean, it has to be because like you don't say go buy this game, you get the other game for free, and you leave a link up being able to buy it. Because like that 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 wouldn't make sense, right? So all these people would buy the game, and then they would inevitably get whatever this is for free. If it's something massive like Silent Hills, they're not going to do that. They want those sales. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting weird. thing right here too. Because while we're kind of talking about this, I want to go back to something that I want to make sure I'm not misremembering Saul saying, um, or at least misremembering what he meant by it. Um, when we were talking last time around last episode, when Saul was kind of coming back and sharing his thoughts on why he thought the blue box stuff was just so weird. Um, one of the things you mentioned is why would this indie studio, small indie studio have access to unreal engine five, which we know is like just now coming out in the beta. Like, you know, or it's been for a few mm-hmm. months now in a beta format. Um, and I think that that's an interesting viewpoint. And I don't, you know, at the time I thought, well, okay, yeah, maybe that's true. Uh, but this Black Myth Wukong game has got a new gameplay trailer that they actually specifically say is Unreal Engine 5. So my thought process there is maybe it's not so hard to get beta for Unreal Engine 5 right now. Um, and that might actually be a saving grace to abandon here to make it at least one less weird element. There is another weird part, though, is that they said that they had high-end motion capture. 
Yes, How? they did. They yeah, they did say that. How? Um, but the other side of that, there's also just something else I've said in past episodes, and I think Chris was with me on that because uh, it was right when you were kind of going out for uh, your initial leave, Saul. Um, I think you knew about this too. Did you hear about how Hellblade Two is apparently like not super far in development because they were waiting for Unreal Engine Five? <laughs> what well, the problem here is that if Black Myth is showing an Unreal Engine Five gameplay trailer, doesn't that mean that Hellblade could have started development on Unreal Engine Four and then transitioned to Five for the few features they need there, or did they need that for be grounded up? Maybe, but uh, yeah, I have no clue because clearly Black Myth Wukong did not in the last three months suddenly become ground up made and that is the worst name i've ever heard for a game. it is an odd name for a game but it's, it's apparently like the actual name of the legend but chris you were laughing what's so funny buddy uh the fact that senua's sacrifice 2 isn't even close to being ready is hilarious like 20 hours long uh, i mean uh, yeah but you know you shouldn't have advertised your console <laughs> that's also true <laughs> Hey, but if we're going to talk about that, right, one of the things that actually did pop this week, and it's just a small thing, but I'm going to talk about it uh, in relation to this. Um, the PS4 game that was supposed to be Michael Ansel and, and other studio or whatever that was wild. Oh, yeah, wild. It's been officially canceled uh, after being like quietly yes. just kind of a, avoided talking about whether it's been canceled or not. Um, I'm not surprised to see that it was canceled, but it's it's the same thing. Now, to be fair, they didn't advertise their console with it, but they literally, PlayStation was like, hey, this is our game, and look at this. This is so cool for a game that literally so many years later doesn't exist. And there gets to be a point yeah, where it's so annoying that I don't, I genuinely don't understand why console developers feel the need to jump on stuff and show it off so quickly. Well, I wish yeah. I understood the thought process. Well, I there. think for me, I guess the only difference would be that Microsoft had to have known that this game was not coming out for five years after the console came out, right? Because that's what the time limit was. It was 24 to 25 when they're talking about it being ready. So how are you showing your 2020 console with a with what will most likely end up being your, you know, your uh, love letter to the to the Xbox Series X console generation? Yeah, like, <laughs> like that's, that's crazy that's to, to me. me like that. They're doing that too much lately in general. Like I think that games are getting announced yeah. way too early. Halo was one of them. Um, you know, Senua mm-hmm. Sacrifice is another one. What was that? What's the famous one that still hasn't come out? That was like our deep down. Deep down. But then um, there's one that's like it's been revealed like four years now, five years. It's a it's a sequel to something. Oh, Beyond Good and Evil. Yeah. Dying light also that. all of these yeah it's like all these games are announced way too early well and i think that that's why we were all so collectively hard on this idea of square popping up or even playstation technically popping up with this square enix exclusive and and what's now called forespoken but project Aerith or what was it called project yeah, Project Aerith yeah. or something like w- that. Whatever it was. It's now called Forspoken. But there is a reason that Saul and I and probably a lot of people collectively were like, looks cool, but also I take zero stock in this because if Square has proved yeah. anything, they take forever to, to develop games. If PlayStation and, and Xbox and all game developers, all game console <clears throat> manufacturers, to be, to be fair, have a problem with showing things too early, why did we hear about metroid prime 4 in yeah. 2017 and we still don't have 
anything on it. It's a big yeah. problem that I feel like the industry really needs to get a hold of and understand that I think most people would generally be willing to just wait wait to announce something when you have something to show wait to show something to announce it when you know that what you're showing is something that's nearing a level of completion to where you know it's not going to suddenly just not be coming i don't get the point of being like hey we're showing Mm -hmm. you deep down as a if you're if you're showing me a game (laughs) with a working title for any reason other than that working title may somehow spoil something which is already a bad name then uh, or you know the the real title would spoil something then I don't know what you're doing. You don't need to show me anything that's got a that's currently got a project title, like a working title. Dude, when the, when they put up on the screen at that PS5 event and it said a Square Enix project Athia, I was like, that shit ain't coming out ever. That doesn't exist. Now, I'm hoping <laughs> that they've learned because we already got a name for it and they've shown more of it than I would have anticipated in the in the follow up to that. That yeah. still doesn't mean that I believe it's it seems out. close. <laughs> And they said that it is. No, they say it's not far away, but I refuse to believe it until I have a release date. And even with the release date, I'm going to be a little bit like, mm. yeah, because my thing is like, I'd rather you cancel a game straight up. Like, I'm fine with deep down. We can make fun of Sony for that deep down agent yeah, wild, whatever it is. But they're canceled, which is like, OK, something happened. What I hate well, deep down is, is not canceled. That's why I just so you know, OK. <laughs> Yeah, I know you, Dragon's Dogma 2 is coming out, whatever. <laughs> that's, that's what that game always was. They should have just said it. But my main point is more just like, why would you show a game that you know isn't ready for the next five, ten, six years? That's what I don't get. Because you you bought, you you advertised Senua's Sacrifice just to be like, yeah, it's a 2024 game. That I hate. But like... If if you show me a game and then it doesn't work out, that's I, I'm less upset about that personally. Maybe I'm crazy, I mean, that's, but that's fair, I guess. But isn't it in this early of a form? You don't even know which one. Like Sinuous Sacrifice could end up never coming out. <laughs> Be, yeah, so yeah, it, it could. It, I feel like they're both problems, and they're both problems with the same solution. Just wait. Don't feel the need. Yeah, they're both problems. I mean, I get it. When you buy a studio in 2019, and here we are in 2021, and the only thing they've released since you have bought them is a game they were already working on before you bought them. It's a little, like, you know, people are like, well, we want to see the fruit of this buyout. Definitely when this is a buyout of an IP, this isn't like a studio having to work from the ground up building a new IP. They made Sinuous Sacrifice, the first game, in less time than what it seems like is going to be from mm-hmm. the purchase of their studio to the release of Sinuous Sacrifice 2 or whatever they call it, Hellblade 2. Um, you almost you almost wonder if they wasted a lot of time and money and resources making that just god-awful multiplayer game, Bleeding Edge. Like, if they had well, not done that. that was far enough in development, and it, and it is an assumption, but I assume it was far enough in development when they were bought by Microsoft that it was like, you might as well put it out and just get some kind of money back. See, I could be wrong. I had thought they had said that that was like something they made that was their first Microsoft project, well, I but think I could be if wrong. If they did, they very likely meant that it's the first project they're releasing as like a were owned by Microsoft, and my, because they had never announced it prior, Microsoft probably was like, yeah, that's just going to be our game. Because if you notice, that still didn't come yeah. to PS5 or anything. So in a way, it still was a Microsoft um, project. But Darn. then again, we don't know. We're kind of talking from assumptions and uh, whatnot. So it's a little weird. 
but that's just where we are. Um, let's see. Something else that came to mind here. Um, I saw it just a second ago. Oh, um, clearly, uh, <laughs> Skyrim coming back out again. Yep. <laughs> so for anybody that doesn't know, Skyrim Special Edition, of course, was what the PS4 and Xbox One remaster of uh, Skyrim was. And of course, it included all of the DLC. Now we're getting that again on the PS4 and Xbox One and the PS5 and Xbox Series S and X in the form of Skyrim Special Edition, which includes fishing. And I genuinely don't know what they mean by this. So if someone wants to enlighten me, 500, but what was it? Create something elements. What what was it even called? It was so weird. It's curated, but that's mods. what I figured. So, what's creation club? Creation club uh, assets or whatever is what it was. Yeah, yeah, are different yeah. things, but weird. Um, weird only because they're releasing it on PS4 again. Um, with what seems like the only real new thing to be would be fishing. I. There's a part of me that feels like fishing could be a free update to Skyrim at this point. I'm curious if it's going <laughs> to run at 60 frames per second natively. On PS4 or PS5? No, PS5. I'm sure it would. You would hope. If it doesn't, then that's going to be really surprising. Well, the, the thing about it is, is you would think that some of the bugs that uh, would be fixed in between the uh, PS4 and the Special Edition or whatever, or the PS3 and the Special Edition. That weren't? That weren't. And then that, that literally you still had to download a mod called the Unofficial Skyrim Patch to fix those bugs. Yeah. Which you can download a mod to make the PS5 version 60 frames per second, which actually looks really good. Oh, I didn't think about that. So if you play Skyrim Special Edition on PS5 right now, you can literally go in and basically toggle it to ignore the frame cap. You can't. Well, I mean, you have to download a mod to do that. Well, of, of course, but yeah. I mean, more like, or less, you have a way to go about doing yeah, it. Yeah, like I have uh, my mod is like Skyrim 60 frames per second at 90 FOV. Okay. Yeah. It makes your field of view wider too. Yep. That's awesome, actually. Um, so, Chris, I know me and you have different feelings on whether or not you need to pay for or what the value is of something like this. We kind of talked about that yesterday. Uh, but in general, mm-hmm. I, I'm assuming none of us are surprised that Skyrim's releasing again. I kind of am, actually. No. I'm actually surprised that, that they're doing it again. I figured there was going to be something for the next gen consoles, but I feel like we would have heard about it now, before, like way before now. So, what made you surprised? Did you think that Microsoft buying uh, Bethesda might change the way that they go about doing no, that? No, I just thought we would, since you know, since the consoles have been out for almost a year now, you thought we would have, we would have heard, heard about, about it. it. Yeah, we would have heard about it like in February because they're money hungry. So, like, they could have announced this way back when. And announce it because Bethesda's good at that, right? Like we saw what they did with um, uh, Skyfield uh, or Starfield. Is that <laughs> yeah. um, Skyfield? Like, Every that, name has to have Sky in it because Skyrim sold so well. well yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> but that game was announced back in June of this year, and it's not coming out till November of next year. So they could have yeah. easily announced something coming out or announced something in February that's coming out in November. I mean, fair. It wouldn't have been out of their reach. Yeah, I mean, you don't have to because Skyrim's a known quantity, right? It's it's a little different. You don't need the PR period of being able to spend a few months showing stuff like maybe Pokemon needs with Pokemon Arceus. That's kind of what they did now, though. It's like three months. Yeah, but they originally showed it, what, six, eight months ago? No, no, I'm talking about like Skyrim's still oh, yeah, three months yeah. away. Yeah, well, three months just so they can spend a little bit of time being like, look what we made prettier, and we added fishing. Pre-order, please. Yeah, I don't know. I- <laughs> 
I, I figured we would have gotten this out of the way already. So this is a genuine question that I'm actually really curious to see since there's a couple of different people in charge at PlayStation now. What do y'all think the chances are that the PS5 version or the even the new PS4 version of Anniversary Edition gets rid of the mod restrictions or at least loosens them up considerably? We would have heard about that. Like <clears throat> The second that's internally done over, we would hear about that, I think. You think you would? Yeah. And you think they would go ahead and add that to the PS4 version of the special edition? No, that I, I would doubt. Because they would... But, I would be willing to bet that game comes with those mods included, pre-installed, nothing for you to do. Oh, yeah. See, that's actually the interesting thing about why it might be more important for them to add the mod things in themselves because then it's not unofficial. It's on a disc, even if it was it started out unofficial. Yeah, it's now official mods. Out, we just slapped our yeah. seal on that. Because <laughs> mm-hmm, that, that's, I mean, that's what Mass Effect Legendary Edition kind of did where they were like, if a mod does it, we need to do it. And so all the top mods they put in the game in their own way. So I'm sure Skyrim's doing that same thing, except it's Bethesda. So they just gave the mod creators 50 cents and a copy of Skyrim Anniversary Edition, and now yeah, they're in sure. the game. You know? I could definitely see that. I mean, I think that that works out in many ways for their favor. I just think that the PS4 aspect of it all, uh, or the PS4 mod aspect of it all, is clearly something that if you can find a way to work around would be fun, uh, and I'm sure the players would really appreciate it. So might as well try and tackle the tackle that while you're working at releasing a new version, if you can. But also, I'm just trying to think, you know, at the time that Skyrim Special Edition came, you had a completely different precedent. Uh, you had a bunch of different uh, head figures within Sony. Um, and you, I mean, not that Herman Hulse necessarily matters in this because he's, you know, head of PlayStation Studios. But you have a, a, a pretty much Sony's top brass across the board for PlayStation has changed. Um so I almost wonder who was the person who said no. Was it Sony or was it PlayStation specifically? I imagine it was PlayStation specifically. Definitely since you think about censorship down the line, uh, it would make sense that they don't want you to be able to sew something that would be uncensored. <laughs> we know when you're running mm-hmm. around Skyrim with a big set of milk makers. No, sir. Well, yeah, you know we what do. their, Mommy you their original response to it was is that like it's to prevent backdoor problems. <laughs> yeah i mean clearly sony's so scared of being hacked which i mean rightfully so <laughs> yeah you think though that they would have gotten kind of got a kind of over it just in a hair away like a different way than what they're approaching things now with because we've heard that excuse for the memory cards in the vita which actually that there is like yeah still got hacked but it took a lot longer it did but that there is actually kind of like yeah i could see that but then it's like skyrim and mods I haven't heard of Xbox getting hacked, and they do they do unlimited like kinds of mods. You could do anything. Yeah. Same thing with Nintendo. It's weird. It doesn't make any sense. Well, right, and and you look at this thing, right? Every console's basic premise is we want to try when a game is released everywhere. Your goal is to say, well, we want you to buy it on our system because we believe our system is the best place. <clears throat> excuse me, the best place for you to play this. Which is for mods, and in, in terms of that way, it's like for people that want to do that, it's, it's actually Xbox is actually clearly the better yeah. platform if you're going to do it on a console, and if you're going to do it on a PC. Well, of course, the consoles are kind of out of the question at that point. Um, but I find that so weird because you know, technically, if Xbox is saying like you know we want we want Xbox to be the best place to play, well, for Skyrim, that's undoubtedly true. So it's it's weird that Sony. I don't know. That would be my thing. I understand being sorry, so I understand being. Um, weary of it but i mean i don't know kind of like you said i think what it is more than anything is it's not even about back-end security even though it might be the the final reach i think it's more of they don't want people to have a potential way to quickly exploit ps4 even just to have um 
for lack of a better term, people normally call it this a jailbroken console. Yeah. You know, they don't want all these PS4s out there that can play Bloodborne at 60 frames per second because they want to sell you Bloodborne at 60 frames per second. Which you can hopefully. still, like, which is crazy because you can still do. Yeah. I mean, it's weird, but we'll see about how it ends up going. Um, is there any other big news things that any of you guys want to talk about that we haven't yet? Um, I can't really yeah, I think agree, of any now. Other than like that one thing we I just happened to see earlier about abandoned, I was kind of like, meh, <laughs> this week. Yeah, um, nah, that's interesting. I mean, it, the week has been pretty slow. I mean, there's been little things. I think it is interesting, though I'm not surprised. Just while we're talking about that Skyrim real quick, the only thing that's interesting there is I'm surprised Bethesda didn't take this opportunity to do what they did with um, with Hellblade, basically and have it to be where there's not a bespoke ps5 version like there is for the series s and x because now they own that i'm a little surprised that they weren't just like well we're making elder scrolls 6 and starfield exclusive already why don't we just go ahead and make skyrim anniversary edition exclusive to xbox and pc as well well because phil phil said that they wouldn't do that i mean that's cool but why do they do that with Hellblade then? Because not Hellblade Two, Hellblade. It might be something. Sinuous Sacrifice with, got an Xbox Series S and X update. It might be something very specific with Bethesda, though. Maybe Phil specifically said that if it's property that's appeared on something else before, then you'll still see it appear if it happens to relaunch. Which they were very careful with saying that because it's as if it's appeared there before. Which is why when when the initial buyout happened, I'm like Fallout and and Elder Scrolls will not be on PS5. That was why I had that inkling of thoughts because they very they, they wouldn't word it so specifically if not yeah well he didn't really word it that specifically until a lot later because i get he couldn't when you're in the you're in the middle of buying something you're not allowed to really talk about that because it can impact right it can impact different shares and of your own company and other things so you're just kind of supposed to keep mom people can ask and you can say like we'll, we'll talk about that eventually yeah uh, i think that you know it's it's one of those weird things of like Technically, we'll never know if Elder Scrolls or Fallout will be exclusive until they're announced. But yeah, well, it's like Quake Remastered, right? That's never been on PlayStation until now. Actually, I don't like Quake. Oh, all. but it's just an example. So I, I'm actually curious because you know one of the things that happened with the Bethesda buyout was like a little bit of autonomy given to Bethesda, and Bethesda even kind of got their own new company formed within Microsoft that's separate from Xbox Game Studios. If I'm remembering correctly, does that sound right, Chris? Do you remember? Um, I'm sorry, would you that repeat? whenever the buyout for Bethesda happened, that they got yeah, Bethesda was like roll or Zenimax in general uh, were rolled into a separate company within Microsoft that's not connected. Yeah, they're their own publishing arm. Bethesda's yeah, its own so publishing arm. Yeah, I wonder if they just have the autonomy to be like, yeah, well, I mean, I'm sure they have to talk to some degree, but I wonder if it's more or less. If you want to do it and it's an older game, it's kind of up to you guys. But if it's a new game, we're going to insist that it's only on Xbox. Well, there's also no reason to not put Skyrim or Quake on I PlayStation agree. where there's millions of reasons not to put Elder Scrolls yeah, 6 true. and Fallout 5 yeah. on PlayStation. So I don't I think we're, we're people, you know, are looking at this like, oh, what does this mean for Xbox's future? And all it means is that we'll give you the scraps so that you're happy, but that's it. You know, they're not going to give you elder scrolls. They're not going to give you the next quake just because they gave yeah, you a sure. port, you know, 
that's not what's going to happen. You're going to get the old stuff. I think the most interesting thing I could see coming to PlayStation is like a New Vegas and Fallout 3 remaster that. and remake. But that. even then, no, I could also see them. Even yeah, then, I would do that. Those are highly sought after remasters I would, that people would really flock to Xbox for. I would buy a Series X if Fallout 3 exclusive. was fully exclusive and like fully like brought back up to like fallout 4 Dude, level fallout, i would buy fallout a series 3, x fallout right now new vegas if they got like a remake or remaster and it was exclusive to xbox absolutely people would be all over it and i think yeah, that they know not- that and i mean i think it's just you know certain times i think skyrim's a lot like minecraft where it's already out in the ether and you buy it afterwards so it's like might as well just let it keep being the thing that uh propagates through all systems and yeah well, and Skyrim's Skyrim's also a perfect RPG in the sense of like you can do whatever, almost whatever you want, as many times as you want, over and over again because it's always something's always going to be different. And I've played a lot of Fallout Three, and it's that's not the case. So I think that's one of those reasons why you see that where they can keep selling it over and over again because there's always a new angle that you can find in Skyrim, and I don't think you can find that in almost yeah, anything else. Yeah, Skyrim has got that uh, Radiant Quest system that I don't even remember being in Fallout 4, actually, interestingly enough. Fallout it 4 does. has it, yes. Another yeah. settlement needs your help, uh, Brett. Brett, another settlement needs your help. W- the way I consider it, but yeah, that is still just... All right, pressing uh, Garvey. I mean, that's well, what I, it is. I didn't think of it that way, because you know, Skyrim <laughs> is a little more nuanced because there's not settlements. It's more like a random person runs up to you with a thing but fallout having the settlements it's just easier yeah. for the radiant quest system to be like well you're going to just keep being able to do something here that makes sense i just didn't think of it that way yeah. so yeah I, I i don't know i wonder if they have the other stuff that you're talking about but i know that the settlements are definitely their yeah, solution I mean, to it's that. still a form of just endless gameplay and that's kind mm-hmm. of uh which plenty of games have kind of taken that on that's what shadow yeah. of uh shadow of war did with once you beat the game there's just oh yeah. you can go keep a you know, defending your fortresses and taking over other fortresses. Okay, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, do we got, since this is our first episode back, do we want to start with that big final main topic? And does does someone have one they want to bring to the table? We could. I mean, it's uh, looking dangerous outside, so we might want to have a shorter conversation oh, yeah, than we might so normally have. Yeah, since so everyone knows, Chris <laughs> is in the middle of hurricane weather. Yeah. What just happened? I don't. I don't know. I, yeah. I leaned back and like the chair exploded. Amazing. Um, all right. So <laughs> let's see. See. You know, yeah, I actually ahead. have something since it kind of goes into our topic. Might not be the longest conversation, but I want to go off the topic that me and you talked about yesterday and talk about the difference between value and worth oh, in sure. terms of video games because I think that's a big conversation that nobody ever has, and I think that's why we got into an argument yesterday because I think we both had the same opinion, but but we were arguing over semantics of words. Maybe, yeah, I find it interesting. So if you were, I mean, just to kind of glean everyone in on the on the conversation that Chris and I and technically Blake had yesterday yesterday um which blake kind of came in the end of it so i didn't i don't know or if he gave more i I haven't had a chance to read it yet but i know he gave a little bit of thoughts on it uh but the the basic premise is when handling remasters how do you go about choosing a cost uh for it and chris and i i don't uh, you might be right it might be that we have we're arguing similar things i guess it's also are we arguing from the consumer side or from the business side and my entire argument rests on the consumer side and specifically me as a Mm. consumer in the consumer side um 
Whereas I think yours yeah. was a more, I think your argument is right. If it's just what would it, what should a business do for what's absolutely best for well, the business if they can get away with it? Uh, and if I'm not, if I'm misspeaking so, there, but basically, what's the value of a game being remastered versus like what's the what's how would you even say that, Chris? Like, what's the the value proposition from an individual stand pet versus, versus what, what it's, it's worth? Well, sticker yeah. cost is. Right, because I hadn't. Well, the reason I even started talking about it was because I had an issue. You were like, Skyrim isn't worth sixty dollars, and I was like, it's absolutely worth sixty dollars. It's worth three hundred dollars, in my opinion. But that doesn't mean you should pay sixty dollars yeah. for it. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. You know, whereas, and I think that's why I was having an issue because I was like, I, Skyrim is worth sixty dollars. You know, and that's the thing, and that's mm-hmm. the thing where I was kind of coming down on well, like maybe you don't value it at sixty dollars, but if I told someone you should go buy the Skyrim Anniversary Edition for $60. That person is not coming back disappointed. Even if they have played Skyrim and it's been years, they're not coming back upset. And I think if you were to be like, hey, you know, let's say Astro's Playroom was a $70 mm-hmm. launch game, right? And you, you told me to buy that for $70, I'd go to your house and punch you right in the penis. So what a specific I spot. don't, you know... <laughs> but I think that was kind of where the crux of my argument was, where it's like, Skyrim's worth sixty dollars. It just is. You know, some games are not. Um, well, see, but that's, but that's already, I think this is the personal value. I guess that's where I was coming from. That's already just a nebulous personal thought. Because, like, one of the games that you gave as an example yesterday, right, was Terminator mm. Resistance. Um, yeah. Now look, look at where we are right now, right? And speaking the way we were, a remaster, even if it's of a game I've never played before being $60 and then Terminator mm-hmm. Resistance which was actually 50 but let's just say for the sake of argument it was 60 let's put them evil equal playing field mm-hmm. um, for me I would be far more willing to pay $60 and this is why I say for me for a game that I know is new has never come out anywhere before and is they put a bunch of work in and that's where I think me and you were different right is that my argument was yeah. that if you're telling me that the five plus years of development that was required for you to make Skyrim the initial time was worth $60 price point when you put it out, and now you're telling me that probably less than a year and a team of you know probably 20 or less working on it for a far less amount of time and doing far less work is worth $60 again, I don't see that, and I don't think most do. And even though I think there's a few games that end up naturally being able to just move past that, I personally think the industry at large has to think that way because otherwise you wouldn't get three ground up remakes of of uh, Spyro for six, for less than sixty dollars for forty dollars, three ground up remakes of Crash Bandicoot for forty dollars, uh, three Mass Effect games for sixty dollars, uh, and even examples of one off games, right? Um, Dark Siders War Mastered Edition was twenty dollars dark siders mm-hmm. two uh whatever it was called weird remastered name um war mastered it wasn't war master it was the first one i can't it had some kind of dumb thing on it um 
definitive edition that's what it was i think uh and that one i think was yep. either 30 or 40 but that's because they clearly understand this is a game that has existed before not as much work needed to go into this and this is just a way to make money towards helping towards our next project or whatever and i think that that's why most of those games and from my viewpoint i think that's why most of the industry follows that rule because most people are going to be that way you know you got tony hawk's pro skater one two and three levels or one and two levels actually uh for 50 or 60 dollars whatever it was it actually was 40 as well, wasn't it? I think so. Yeah. Think so that's right. kind of where I'm coming at. I think that that's where I'm at on it. I don't think that those things add up to the value. That doesn't mean you can't sell it for that because your your initial crux of argument, if you've never played the game before, then there's a much higher chance that $60 is worth it for you. I would still be more willing to pay $60 for a brand new game both of which I've never experienced just because I know it was a new game that required a lot more work. I think remasters should initially come in at a lower value or a lower, not a lower value, but actually a lower sticker price. <clears throat> and actually by nature of that, you make a lower sticker price and even more uh, enormous value by saying this game that was once $60 with 200 hours of content, you know, quotation marks is now $40 and looks better than ever then you're making that an even better value. And I think more people will flock to it naturally than it's $60. And I know that to be true for at least me because I refuse to buy Skyrim on switch for $60. It's a great idea. And I've always loved the idea of playing an Elder Scrolls game on the move, but I will not pay $60 for one that's already been released elsewhere. That's, and that's me. Yeah. I just don't get what the, I don't know. Like I said, I think it's a it's an issue of value versus worth, and I think, especially as like someone who writes, right? Like I think that's a weird. I think even the amount of work that you put in is a weird argument because if I spend five hours writing a book and it ends up being good and getting published, that doesn't make the book book worth less. If anything, that makes me better, right? So just because George R. R. Martin spent eleven years making his last book, that doesn't make it worth one hundred and fifty thousand dollars either. It makes it worth. $30 on a hardcover yeah, like every my, other book and I think that's the thing where when I look at your argument of well this only took a couple people and it might not have taken that long that to me goes I don't care the game is still Skyrim it is still worth $60 and I'm not saying like I think the the examples you bring up are good examples because it shows where we've had this argument of there's no pro consumer thing that is a pro consumer move but that also devalues those games for me. Now, how do you mean? I think them? those games are worth less because why? You know, why would I look at? Why would I put Darksiders Two on the same level as Skyrim Anniversary Edition? Because Darksiders Two is a twenty dollars game. I played. I've paid twenty dollars for games that take me six minutes to get a platinum. So why would I put that on the same level as as Skyrim? as someone just well, no, looking at the prices and i don't think that's fair either for, the first thing i'll say back and then i kind of want to hear saul because saul and i've had a similar conversation but not on the crux of remasters so that's where we'll kind of talk about that but i will say i do think it's a little different i don't think initial time to make something matters so much as when it's just to clarify the difference in the argument I, if you write a brand new book from start to finish and it takes you five hours and it gets picked up and published and you may and you charge whatever you want for it that's great it's a new creation if i make an indie game which is not going to happen but if i make an indie game in 10 hours and i sell it mm. for 20 bucks then that's fine it's still a new experience i think it's a little different when you're going back and just touching up something that's already existed because that that already exists out there for you to see so um, it wouldn't necessarily happen in a book standpoint but let's go to something like movies right let's say that it, 
it took you two two years of uh, principal photography, all your shooting and everything, and then editing behind the scenes and working on CGI to make a movie. And then when you come back out and you're like, okay, now this movie's 4K. We had to do a little work to stretch it up and everything. I value that the same way. I'm like, I don't want to spend 50 bucks on a 4K version of a movie just because you went back and did a little work to make it 4K. Now, some movies are more impressive because it actually takes far more work to do it. Like the Criterion movies where they go back and make Citizen Kane 4K, that's a whole other monster and a lot more work. Uh, But still being, I don't think that there's a, a blanket that's perfect for anything. I think any example can clearly have times where you can get around it. Uh, but that's kind of where I was at there. Now, this conversation Saul and I have had been years ago now is about like, how do you value a game? And value of a game is a very interesting thing because thankfully I didn't have to, but Terraria is a game that I think is easily valued, right? You know, if you like, you're talking about with Skyrim, Skyrim is worth 60. Skyrim's worth probably $300 if you just really wanted to, if that's how much you like Skyrim uh, and you think there's enough gameplay there. Just like I valued Terraria at like $120. Well, right there, I think that we're getting into, or not even getting into, but that is the point of the the argument slash discussion. There is a distinct, in my eyes, distinct um, difference between value and worth. Yeah, I think and, so too. And that worth yes. is more subjective and, and value is objective. It has to be, right? Because if something's valued at $500, that's a standard. Right, so like I couldn't value it at at eight hundred dollars because I mean I could. It's not going to sell at eight hundred dollars because the standard yeah. is at five hundred dollars. I think a good way to say it is like worth is just a personal right a, a personal value. And I think I think honestly, like it it it's obviously a different game to game basis. Mm-hmm. Um, me and Seth were talking about this with the Pokemon Diamond and Pearl remakes. Was yeah. like they they're probably going to be sixty dollars. And Seth said I wouldn't pay sixty dollars for them because I have Diamond. Well, good for you. I haven't played the game since they came out, mm-hmm. and I'll I'll happily pay sixty dollars for these because I like coincidentally enough, ironically enough, um, if I want to go buy a diamond, pearl, or platinum, it's going to cost roughly sixty dollars to buy for the original DS copy. Yep. Um. So at this point, you know, there's only two different things. That, I mean, it's the same thing. It's like it goes with Skyrim as well. It's like I I may have put 300 hours into Skyrim across the 360 version and the PS3 version, which I did. But then they they announced that Skyrim is coming out again for PS4 and it's $60. I know for a fact I will get my same value out because the way I play Skyrim, create a character, give them a backstory, role play them as that character. Yeah. And I will 100% get my value out. Um I think it's just a person by person basis. And I and I told Seth this the other day as he said, well, I don't think Pokemon's worth $60 at that point. You can't say that. You cannot say, I don't think it's worth that money. Well, you can have an opinion. I think opinion the way of, we just did the words, right? Technically, yeah. he's right. It's not worth that because worth, we're saying, is a, is a personal well, well, you, evaluation. You can't say that. And in the sentence, you have to say to me. Like, you True. have to make it an opinion True. because you mm-hmm. can't objectively say it's not worth it to you. Yes. It doesn't make sense. It's yeah. a subjective thing. So with him... I was like, it's not worth it to you. And every time he'd say, it's not worth it. I'm like, to you, you have yeah. to like, you have to make sure you're speaking from an opinion standpoint. Yes. Yeah. Because without that, mm-hmm. it, you're, 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 you're objectifying something that is not objective. And, yeah. and I think that that, that's the thing. It's, it's that, it's that with every single thing in this world, this mouse you got off Amazon, which was $10, I'm using it for an hour. This ain't worth $10 to me. It might be worth it to you. It's not but, worth it to me. Either. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> it's garbage. But, um, you know, it's valued at twenty dollars, and it sold for twenty dollars. It just meant it, it's just not worth it. Yeah. Um, 
But if I was to, to resell us. it, yeah, if I was to resell it, I could value it. Yeah. But see, now this, this actually highlights something, and I really don't mean to interrupt you, but it, it is important. I do it too, and I think that's where Chris was even coming from. Everyone, to a degree, speaks from the fact that we all are aware, at least in certain conversations, right? We're all friends. I think most of us know that we're trying to approach a conversation from when I say something in a way that technically speaking is really an objective statement, what we're really saying is our opinion. This is we're coming from a point of talking of our opinion. Yeah, yes. So when I say Pokemon, because I'm much like Seth, Pokemon is Pokemon Dominant Pearl specifically, right. are not worth $60 to me. Though, interestingly enough, there's an interesting argument to add there, but we're that's what we mean, you know? Yeah. And, and you just did it as well. That's not worth $20. Right. To us. Yeah. Yeah. And, well, Someone to, out there to might fair, find though, that to be, and I can't, I think it was $15. But to, to be fair, though, in the exact context of that conversation, you could argue you wouldn't have to specify that. Because we're already talking about but, that. But, <laughs> yeah. But um, that's, that's not how Seth was talking about it. Seth was just saying, yeah, it's not worth $60. But he wasn't clarifying at that point why. And it's just like, yeah, but you can't, you can't just say that. You can't say, well, yeah, that's not worth it for that much. Well, and at, to, at, at that degree, contextually, you would think that's an opinion. Like, that's not worth it to that person. Mm -hmm. But when they say it in a certain way, it's like, well, you can't just overall say that because it's not, you know, you're, that's, that's your opinion, sure. But some people try, and I've met people like this in the past, where their opinions are not opinions, it's their facts. And that's like their facts are, are like that game's not worth sixty dollars. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Like I, I would, I don't care what your opinion is of it. The game is worth sixty dollars. No, it's valued. It. No, it's valued and worth sixty dollars. No, calm down. Your opinion is that it's worth sixty dollars to you. It's valued at sixty dollars because that's what they value. That's literally what the publisher values it at. Yeah. Um, and people will get into that where their opinion is correct and their opinion is the objective fact, which is never the case. It's an opinion. Yeah. It, it could be in line with what is the. Um, popular uh, vote slash idea of that opinion is that then that's typically what people go with sure um, yeah. but yeah for me it's I, th I think well, I'm on the same page as Chris in a way of like Skyrim is worth it Skyrim is worth whatever it is to each individual but then if you if you're comparing it to other things that's where it gets a little wonky too is that it's more of like it's half of like opinion because in skyrim i would do everything but you may not you may only play the, the 11 hour main quest so that comparing it to terraria you which you've played 200 hours of way more than that yeah <laughs> it's off and yeah. that's where contextually you have to make it known that you know why you're comparing them your history with comparing them or your history with playing them but yeah like i i think i i'm on the fence of what or more so with chris on the way the games are because I, honestly the value of games at $60 or $70 technically net this generation, it's not a bad value to be at considering what you get, considering inflation, yeah. Yeah. considering that Diamond came out 15 years ago at $40 and this game is $20 more and it's an improved version upon it with more content. It's, 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 there's a lot of like little wheels that can turn. Then you may look at a game that came out now like Quake. If Quake by itself just if original quake came out at sixty dollars you can say it's valued at sixty dollars the game's not worth crap yeah now you know an interesting aspect of both of the games uh well not quake mm -hmm. is actually a little different it's the remastered pokemon is interesting because i've said it's not worth sixty dollars to me and i won't buy it do i expect them to sell it for sixty dollars one hundred percent yeah do i think anyone's wrong for buying it at sixty dollars not at all i, I yeah. won't buy it at sixty dollars um for a number of reasons but yeah go ahead I think what's up chris 
just to kind of clarify even where the argument came from is like I had read what you were saying and you were like I don't think they should even sell it for that much and that's where I was kind of like no you're insane the game is worth $60 yeah, so to to because um, because that's well, that's just where, like Saul was saying, you should always say in your opinion, where I don't even necessarily agree with that, because I'll, I'll sit here and I'll be like, Red Dead sucks. Red Dead is a bad game. And I think if we're having a conversation about games, you should know inherently, like, my opinion on Red Dead is that it's a bad game. That game has like a 99 on Metacritic. It's <laughs> yeah. obviously not bad to the vast yeah. majority of people. So when we're talking about that, where I took umbrage with you, and I think the interesting conversation more comes from, like, should they sell it for 60 should they sell it for this? Because you were saying it's not worth it to you were you saying it's not worth it to me for sixty dollars, and I was like, well, they should sell it for sixty because it's absolutely yeah, worth sixty dollars in terms of a consumer friendly so, thing. It's, you know, maybe they should have been it for free, but and you're probably in the right spot, or at least I assume you do. Um, what was my exact wording? Because I know that kind of where I started moving on the crux of that argument was moving away because we did talk about personal value but then we actually talked about value as the industry sees fit with other things and that's why i started comparing skyrim as a as a product not on the value of what's inside of it but more so how other games in the industry base their prices and that far more often than not the rule of thumb that the industry follows is that you're not going to spend a new game price on a remaster of a game now remakes are a little different and I think remakes make sense because it is ground up remaking everything. I think pl paying $70 for a ground up remake of Demon Souls makes sense. Now, we had a crazy value with the remake of Shadow of the Colossus being a ground up remake and still only costing $40. Yeah, that that is insane. crazy. And that is mm -hmm. one of the times where the industry did no, something in a way they really shouldn't have i don't Consumer think anyone friend. would have cared to pay would have been mad about paying 60 dollars for a ground up remake of that game and i think it could have no. been easily but, now it's cool that it wasn't and the times that that happens is awesome but for the most part i think remasters specifically looking at it from that standpoint the industry has clearly laid out what the majority of the industry agrees to be the case with with remasters and then remakes most for the most part remakes tend to fall at $60. Do I always agree with it in terms of I'm going to pay that? No. Uh good games like the remake of um Link's Awakening yeah. on the Switch, fantastic game and it was remade from the ground up. I was not willing to pay $60 for it. I was willing to pay 40, but thankfully I didn't matter cuz I was able to borrow it from Saul. Yeah. Again, I think that the that looking at a publisher and being like, "Okay, why'd you choose to make that $60?" I don't have to agree with it. I understand where it's coming from because it's a remake. And the I think the workload that goes into a remake is a lot different than the workload that goes into a remaster. And that's, in my opinion, yeah. that's where I was kind of coming from. The, my opinion on the game itself versus my opinion on the... On the this is and this What's is going? this is where I should clarify with what I meant, Chris, is that um, when, ver when you're verifying your opinion, it's because, and I, I should have clarified this to begin with, mm. anything internet-based in text... Because automatically yeah. he's, oh, he, he just said it three different times in, 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 in within 30 seconds of, in my opinion, because it, it cleared up stuff. And I think that like specifically, yeah. if you're talking about games on Twitter, like you, you just got to go in like with your guns blazing and like you got to make sure that you're being as clear as possible because Twitter will not be um, clear at all. Like and the people on there will, will hunt you down and no. kill you <laughs> for having a, any opinion. Literally. Yeah. <laughs> I think one of one of my last points on here is I think you kind of put more of like what I was saying into focus for me where think about Ratchet yeah. and Clank, right? Where they remake all of Ratchet and Clank, uh, the first one, awesome. sell it for forty bucks. Can't believe it. 
And then, yes, accept the gigantic argument for Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart or whatever the hell that game is called was, well, they sold the last one at 40, so why should I play 70 for it? They took all the value out of Ratchet and Clank, so now people are like, well, I'm not paying 70. The yeah. last one was 40. Yeah, and that is, that's why I think that remakes have a strong argument to be like, if you remade a game up, I yeah. think... Again, awesome that they sold it at 40. And I think that there's actually value in treating that type of game there from an industry level, but the whole industry doesn't do that. So if Sony were really going to look at what the industry does and not paint themselves into a corner and have people saying that Ratchet um, Rift Apart is not worth 70 because the last one wasn't 70, I would have probably done the same thing. It's What people should be looking at is that Sony gave That's us crazy. an excessive value by lowering that price to 40. Yeah. Industry standard wise, it should have been sixty, and we just got lucky. And that same yeah, thing yeah. happened with the ground up it's, remake of Shadow of the Colossus. And even Sony at this point seemed to realize that that's not the way you need to do it because Demon Souls was seventy dollars. Which my, I just want to throw it out there, Sony, if you're listening to us, which I know you aren't. My my Shadow of the Colossus, yeah, definitely. I, now that you're in Phil's uh, pocketbook, remember? I can't. Uh, wait, what? No, you don't remember? You're on the Microsoft payroll. Seattle oh, was yeah. calling you last oh, episode. Yeah. Um, my my. Shadow Colossus is bugged. I can't buy it again, and I can't download it. So I, I need. I gotta call Sony and get that fixed. It's locked. <laughs> it's locked, and I, it's, I think it's locked because I had it as a dis, a disc based version when it first came out, but then I got it for free as PlayStation Plus, and now it's just saying that like it says view in store. That's How many times do you have issues from being this half in on digital and half in on physical? Just twice. Fall Fantasy fourteen and this. Yeah, That's it's all interesting it is. though. It's all it is, and it's just this one of these two games, but. Is that an issue on PS5, or has it been uh, an issue? I don't know. I guess both of those are PS4 games and have been issues before PS5 released. Because, well, I'm just wondering because, like, with Watch Dogs Legion, right? Like, I can't buy it or download or purchase it because I have the disc, so it only says download on the PS5 version. But then I hit View Product and like the little dots, and it brings me to the store page, and I could buy it then. So oh, maybe yeah, try I'll that. Try that I might work. Have to try that because yeah, it is kind of split, but. Um, I think has everybody said their piece on the topic. I we think can, so. We can and move then, out for the episode. Yeah, that'll be a good yeah, one too. Cool. I think that's a great community's take. So remember, guys, the community's take now is going to be based off of that. How do you value a game? And I really, I mean, you can talk about your side of the industry as well and how you think the industry should do things comparatively to the rest of the industry. But I think we're going to more look at what do you think marks the value of a game for you? Because I think everyone evaluates games very differently. Yeah. And uh, remember yeah. that you can always answer the community take uh, if you really want to on YouTube comments, even though nobody does that. But <laughs> you can follow us over there at Twitter at uh, Triangle SQRD. We have a Facebook group called Triangle Squared at PlayStation Podcast. And, of course, you can find us among a ton of podcast services. If you have a favorite one and we're not on it, let us know. We can try to get on it. And, uh, of course, you can help support us uh, just as low as a dollar a month at patreon.com slash nartech, where you get a cool couple rewards, um, one of which is your name gets to be changed in our Discord, which is also linked down in the description below. We just had a brand-new user join Discord today, so shout-out to him. Um, I actually should probably pull him up and give him a quick shout-out just because, you know, we like to see people in our Discord. And um, not only that, but it is um, just one of those things that's like it's a chill thing to be. Richard Ryan joined Discord, so shout out to him. And yeah, uh, another cool perk of being a Patreon um, over there at patreon.com slash nartech is getting your name read out live at the end of every episode by Brett himself, which uh, we'll go through now. So we appreciate everybody coming along for episode 225. We hope uh, everybody enjoyed the time as this is how the permanent episodes will be with Chris and, you know, it's been fun. 
Yay. <laughs> uh, yeah, thanks, Chris. I uh, hope you survive <laughs> the onslaught, the maelstrom, all that stuff. Yeah, wish me luck. This doesn't happen very often. All right, thank so. you guys, and as always, big shout out to our patrons who make this possible: Kyle Grimm, Josh Jarrell, Matthew Green. My name is Dan. Luke Bartolomeo, Sean Santarude, Funk Turkey, Danny Villiobos, Corey Hickerson, Blake Popst, Kevin Bacon Bits, Mark Schutz, Shadowist, Stephen Salazar, The Stonard, Rich, Constantly Kenny, Solitary Red, Chris Figs, Zachary Sawyer, Landis, Rude Days ninety three, Josh Drago, Bailey Robertson. Brian, Donovan Williams, Derek Porter, Josh Ayers, Joshua Lago, Sean One Neo, Tyler Powers, Jehudi MD, Rob Warpoint, Richard Schaefer, and Hammenegger. Thank you all so much. And remember, you can be a patron over at patreon.com slash nartech.